You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! All right, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. How's it going, Alan? Not too bad. How are you? Doing good. My name is James, for those who are first-time listeners, and your name is Alan. My name is Alan. And we are the Stateside Podcast. We are dialing in the room more. It's looking good, and I am so fucking stoked. I mean, look how good this looks, man. It's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely getting there. Yeah, that wall to the left, I'm, I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's going to be sick. It'll just be a nice, like, accent wall, I guess. Yeah. I think for in-studio guests, it's going to be a real doozy. It's going to be nice. And there's just nothing more. I like that, uh, I don't know, just that, like, scummy, like, Portland venue, you know, posters all over the wall. Like Totally. It's just comforting to me. Yeah, it is for me, too. I I have very, like, fond memories of being young on the road, you know, going into scummy bathrooms and venues exactly and seeing all the stickers and all the posters all the flyers it's kind of a a weird like home feeling for me in a strange way i know i always <laughs> loved uh satiricon oh that yeah, was totally that was the only venue that's gone away where i was just like fuck i didn't i didn't I care about any other you know all the other venues that have come and gone i was really bummed when the paris theater went away but now that's back yeah so that's super cool I mean, and it, it went away and came back like 35 times. So it's just, it's not even. Well, it was like a porn joint, wasn't it? For yeah. A like a jack-off theater. I think uh, way early on before it was the Paris Theater the first time, it was called like the Starry Night or some shit. Like our parents probably right. went there when it was when it was called that. That is so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing lasts forever, man. Not at all. It's always changing. What's your favorite Portland venue? Man. Um, yeah, probably right now, uh, Doug Fur. Oh, think, wow. Yeah. I think that's Good. where, you know, not, not every, you know, band or, or artist I can think of would make sense there, but just off the top of my head, I think, yeah, if I could, if I could match some artists that I'm into right now with a venue, like pick a venue to see them in, it would, it'd probably be that one. Nice. I've always liked the Roseland. Um, not for like aesthetics or anything. I just think it's like the best. It's one of the better just straight up venues. Yeah. My all time favorite is uh, La Luna, which might be a little bit before your time. Yeah. Where was that? La Luna turned into, oh God, is it maybe it turned into the old Meow Meow? Remember that place? Mm, mm -hmm. I think it's the same city block. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, my buddies would know, like Stefan and Josh, they would know. Was that, it, did it have anything to do, was it upstairs? Like what is, 
I don't even know if Rotour is a thing anymore, but that was the upstairs of... Oh, maybe it is that Of block. Loveland, which used to be Meow Meow, I think. I don't know. I don't know. They all just kind of blend in together. I know La Luna yeah. was downstairs. Oh, okay. It was like a first level. But it was just so basic. You know, it's just a, just a square, fuck, stage, middle, boom, done. Yeah. And we just saw so many great shows there. The best show of all time for me and most of pe- the people I know was uh, Deftones headlining. This was 1999, I think. Jeez. Way back in the day. Deftones headlining, Quicksand in the middle, and then Snapcase opening. Damn. And so I was like around the fur tour. Yeah, that's... When like Deftones were just on fire. Yeah, and that we one would be sweet to catch. Yeah, man, it uh, officially made me a man. You know, I walked into that venue as a boy, and I came out a man. I don't know what what show was that for me. I don't know what the equivalent would have been. The one before that for me when I was really young would be Foo Fighters on the first Foo Fighters tour. Oh, okay. When they were still like a heavy rock band. So Dave Grohl had, it was like two years after Nirvana. Yeah. Or, or something like that, you know. I was in like seventh grade or something. I remember seeing Corn at Rockfest, but I can't remember if that was... Either that was my first show. When they were like legitimately good and interesting and dangerous. Yeah. They were, they were fucking huge. Um, I think it was Corn and Disturbed headlined Rockfest that year. And then, uh, it was either that or Headbangers Ball 2. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Um, and that, yeah, I think Headbangers was after. It would make sense, uh, just time wise, but. That was a uh, Lamb of God headlining, and then Kill Switch was direct support, and I think God forbid opened or played like two of four. I can't, I can't remember, but that, that was at the Aladdin Theater. That was a sick show. Yeah, we should talk more about the bands you like because I'm not entirely sure like what your favorite kind of genre is. I mean, I don't really have one either. I wouldn't expect you to, but like what your thing is. You seem more. You like heavier music, right? I don't know. I just, I think that early on that was heavier music definitely defined me as a musician early on, but it's almost as if I went so hard with not only like being in a metal band, but like being into metal bands. And then from there, like, you know, okay, how does my band get signed and like what metal labels matter? And, um, you know, because I was a huge Slipknot fan, I was a huge fan of, uh, Roadrunner Records. So I always wanted us to get signed there. And then, okay. Loved Azalee Dying, so then we kind of set our sights on uh, Metal Blade. Always thought that would be cool, but I loved a bunch of bands on Century Media, and we ended up getting signed to Metal Blade, and then, um, you know, we toured for quite a while, and you just, I don't know, just play, like, especially as a drummer, metal drumming is just, metal drums makes drums a different instrument. Yeah. And then after that, you get into uh, just more rock, or like, there's some gospel drummers out there that, like Tony Royster and Thomas oh, Pridgen, yeah, just totally, totally. fucking animals. And you're like, that. the drums sound different when they Pridgen play. played with Mars Volta for a Yeah, he did. I was so pumped on that. I was like, that I is... think he's a rad drummer, but that kind of like where he's just always doing a fill thing, yeah. it's really exhausting. Well, that me. is the downside of, of uh, gospel yeah. drumming too, is that it is, <clears throat> it's incredibly showy and it's, it's very impressive, but... Yeah, you know, you give me... I'll take Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers any day. Just doing a fucking... Any day. I, I watched April. him... To this day, my favorite, uh, like, drum clinic or, like, uh, solo, whatever. 
you'd have to look it up on YouTube. It is fucking fantastic where it's just the most thug thing I've ever seen where everybody wants to sit behind their kit and be fucking insane and get the double kick going. And, you know, that's like what the crowd wants to see, blah, blah, blah. Chad Smith, it was like a either modern drummer festival or a guitar center drum off thing. He just, uh, for, I don't know, seven minutes, he just does this, the same four, four groove and he'll play it a little quieter. Then he'll play it with a little more, uh, passion and then he'll slightly speed it up, slightly slow it down. Like, but that's all he did was one beat. And then he he gets off his drum throne and he goes up to the mic and he's like, so for some of you, that was really boring. But then for the true drummers out there, you understand that that's very important right. that you can stay in the pocket. You can stay in a space mm-hmm. and just do your thing. And then he just walked off. And anybody that knows Chad Smith knows he can go full retard. If he wants to just have hands of lightning, he can do that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't feel like he had to. And I think that that's a huge pressure that a lot of drummers feel, especially the ones that come from that the heavier background is like dude you better get those feet blasting you better you better have the fastest blast beats or you know sickest breakdowns whatever um but as i get older i just i just want uh i just want to see feeling i want to see your your left hand like digging into the snare every hit and i I just i you know really really um tasteful cymbal work and you start to get into like the finer details like like anything that you that you do in your life as you hit that like 10, 15 year mark, you start to be really into all those little pieces in between the big showy things that you put so much focus on for a majority of the time you were interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. In that thing. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that those are all my favorite drummers. It's my favorite way to play drums. You know, like actually being a songwriter and serving the song first. Because I'm, I'm actually not all that into... Um, like drumming, like mm-hmm. like I love drumming, but I don't really like playing drums by myself. I never have. Right, it's not all that fun for me. I don't like really watching drummers by themselves. I mean, I I probably do more than the average person. Now we're you know we come from different backgrounds, so I like watching someone drum by themselves more than my sister does, who knows nothing about that. Right, right. Yeah, that's I a mean, good point. But for a drummer, I probably you know, like it on the lower end of things, I'd say. I just, I don't know. I just, I like the band. I like a band. I like songs. I like songwriting. I like when drummers can fit in interesting, tasteful fills, beats, and like you said, the the vibe and the feel. That's why Abe Cunningham from Deftones is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, that's a fantastic example. He's He's, he's up there for me too. Yeah, he's the vibe master, dude. The beat master. Well, he's also that guy that, you know, to your point with with the gospel drumming, it's hard if somebody goes, "Hey, what's your what's your favorite uh, Thomas Pridgen fill?" I'd yeah. be like, "I have no fucking idea." No That's fucking all he does idea. is fills. But then if you said, "What's your favorite?" Um, exactly. What's your favorite Abe Cunningham fill? I have three or four yep. in mind right Tasteful now. Tasteful little licks that, that you are know. fucking fantastic. And that that to me is a special thing where you can love a drummer and be like, "Oh, he's so great, just all around." But then there's some drummers where just their fills mm-hmm. are the shit, and you know, as a drummer, it takes time to think of those. Because we all have like our our fallback fills, the ones that like, oh, I'm comfortable here. So I'll just do a variation of these on this song and I'll kind of, but to like sit and go for the fill specifically, what do I, what do I want to do here? How do I want to like push the boundary a little bit? Yeah. And I almost think of it like w- something that clicked for me in my drumming was when I started to think of doing fills or even beats too, like just 
playing to a song to think of it as as a riff Mm -hmm. as a hook more specifically yeah the way that like a catchy sounding riff from a guitar player comes across and feels something that's catchy and you're like oh that's memorable drumming should be no different right i mean like so dave Grohl was the king at that like um what's a good example like um in bloom Oh, right. Yeah. It's just so memorable. And that's not a thing that really, that you see much anymore. Like when when a fill or a part of the drumming pattern is so, like you can't not do it when you're you're humming the song. That's why these bands like, um, what's that fucking band Crummit produced? Issues. That band Issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, they, they're super nice guys. They're professional as fuck. Apparently, they're really great to work with, but they're really not my cup of tea. And I, especially that kind of drum, he's, he's amazing. That guy is unbelievable. Yeah, Josh is the Josh shit. Josh is the shit. Mm-hmm. And I think he's doing exactly what he should be doing for that band, right? I yeah. Mean, so to his credit, he's doing, he's doing the job he was hired for, as it were. But that, that kind of drumming is not, um, the same kind of like, it's not going to hook me in the same way. I totally agree. Yeah. I appreciate it as a musician. And there are even, there are some songs that I actually like from Issues. I mean, they're they're clearly rad. Um, but anyway, I'm going off on tangent. But yeah, I just feel like that type of thing is very popular today with like the very uh, jittery, like palm muty metal mm-hmm. thing. Like, it's just all choppy and, so these drummers have to be, you know, badass like session guys now. They can't just lay and you know sit in the pocket and hit really hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, and I, I love what you said about just not liking drumming that much because I kind of I, I love drums obviously, but I think that there's different like with anything there's there's different types of drummers and right there's this dude that I think is one of the best drummers today, uh, Travis Orban who I think I'm saying his name correctly. I can't, I have a little bit of podcast brain right now, but I'm pretty sure it's Travis Orban. That and name sounds really, fun. I'm going to look him up. He, I became aware of him when he was in Sky Eats Airplane. And, uh, and he's like, he can read, he like reads and writes music. And so there's a lot of videos of him, like looking at sheet music. Yeah. Okay. Travis Orban nailed it. Uh, and that's, I mean, that right there, I never learned how to do it. I'm just, I'm never going to be that kind of drummer. And he's fantastic. I love watching him, but I have no desire to be that sort of a drummer. I'm right. I'm a Chad Smith all fucking day. Exactly. Like, I just, I like to go caveman with it. Like, what me is, too. what is a, uh, just give me groove. I just want groove all day. And and Travis can groove, but it's just, he he's on a different level, a, a much higher level you know than me. Is? And I'm okay with that. But before I say, did you ever listen to the old episodes where Neil and I were still doing it? We we did, maybe it was just oh, me and Oh, yeah, you guys did the drummer. The favorite things. drummer with Josh Northcutt. Completely forgot about that. That was a really fun episode. And now that you're on the show, because for those who aren't picking up on this, Alan is a really good drummer himself. So now we have two drummers that host the show. And we could have Josh come over here, who's a fucking like encyclopedia with this stuff. Also, so yeah, Josh is five favorite drummers, and Josh is a uh, like. I feel like he he lives similar to um, Stefan and you and Crummit. You guys are from 
like a different world kind of like you and I were talking about failure earlier. Exactly. I don't, I'm aware of them, but I don't, you didn't grow up with them. The way and and you guys, all of you like Hillsborough dudes, uh, yep. you will bring up bands like that. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'll go and listen and be like, Oh yeah, this is the shit. Right. And that's why, uh, I had a really fucking awesome moment with crumb at one time where, um, I just independently found this band that I was slowly becoming obsessed with. And then I go to Kelly's Olympian to see them still, top three best show I've ever seen in my fucking life. Uh, it was the band Black Map. And they're, oh, a fucking great band, dude. And their drummer dude, used to super be... super cool band. I can't even tell you fucking what band he used to be in, but Crumb, it would be oh, screaming uh, at me. Far. Far, yeah. See, I almost yeah, said about Flaw. I'm about to fucking table right now. Yeah, so Far, uh, I'm not aware of them at right. all. But Crumb, it, like 50% of the reason he's there is he's like, oh, dude, that fuck... I think his name's Chris Robin is the, yep, um, is the yep. drummer. You are absolutely right. Plays open-handed. Yeah, and he's the shit and i stood six fucking feet away from He's him an absolute beast right yeah and i'm like air drumming the fills while locking eyes with him like a complete fucking lunatic <laughs> and uh crummit just comes up to me uh, and we were just vibing on this band and uh it was the first time where i was like hey we're on the same page like yeah i've kind of finally crossed that but threshold. at the same time we're not on the same page because you respect him for his previous projects which i'm completely unaware of dude all that stuff is relative you know yeah, what I mean? True, true. When I was hanging out with the 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 dudes from Shiner, who's another one of those bands, mm -hmm. by the way, a, a Hillsborough band of of my friends, and Stefan and I were like sixteen years old touring with these guys, playing with Shiner and Hum and like Super Drag, and you know at the time because I was like sixteen and they were in their late twenties, oh, so wow. they had a whole different, you know, they're talking like Fugazi and like fucking Ministry and Slayer, you like bands from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. But they fucking got so mad, you know, so I had to go do my homework and then I came back and I'm like, okay, I know Slayer now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what, what I was going to say. So something that I think I, I noticed this about myself a, a while ago when I was still playing in bands pretty heavily, I finally admitted to myself Okay, so there is a part of me that likes being part of the drummer's club, right? Like, I think we are a type of person. We're a type of mind, and I like that. Like, I like that drumming is physical, you, you know, the drummer calluses, and I like all the dorky stuff you can nerd out about being a drummer. I love all that. But I am not just loyal to being a drummer. I don't just identify with being a drummer. I am more interested in being a songwriter and a musician. So if that means that getting to making a good drum track or a drum fill is me picking up the guitar and writing a riff, then I'm going to do that. And that's what I finally figured out. And the, my favorite band that I was ever in was the Days and Nights. And that was because we did that. Like we, me and Nate especially would, would do that. Like he would sit down and play drums terribly and I would pick up his guitar and play guitar terribly. But we would do this weird thing where like I would just hear something in my head and I would try to do it. And it would get like like all of those songs. Her name is Al, like Green, like all that stuff was me just going like like an idiot. Like like a fucking moron. And he would try to drum to it like a monkey. And it was terrible. But then we finally go, okay, we got that. So now let's finally switch. And then he would take it and turn it into something rad. And then I would take what he came up with and turn it into something rad. I mean, that's a fantastic way to do it. Because it almost, it like takes that overthinking thing away. Yes. 
right? So he would try to do this stuff that he sees people do and like, you know what I mean? I was like, literally just, this is like the most relevant thing you could bring up because I, I was at practice um, maybe a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, the vocalist, Vinny, amazing guy, one of my closest friends, he... Uh, I, <laughs> Should I have him on the show, by the way? Yeah, we will, for yeah. sure. He, he makes a ton of sense. He, he's from New Jersey, and he came out here to, um, to work with Truth Drums. And he's just a... I would love to talk to him about Truth. He's more of a fan of drums than I am, like 100%. I just, I don't have the... He almost has like... Like the gear part of it? Yeah. Like he's, yes. he's almost autistic with it. Like yeah. it's just so... Josh is like that. Yeah, he's so into it. And uh, I told him the other day, and it was 100% meant as a compliment, but I understand where he got sort of... It, I think it was kind of like fake insulted, but he... Uh, I told him, I go, dude, you, like my technique is better than yours but your ideas are better than mine so right. i love when we're writing and he goes you know he'll just be like alan can i sit on the kit which is his kit and i'm like yeah go ahead and he'll sit down and his idea the execution of it is never because i'm a i'm just a nazi with with <laughs> timing and with you know just technique and down to like if my elbow is out three degrees more than it should be like i really center in on uh, digging into the snare and like hitting with with purpose and um, being very deliberate with the way that I play that's mm. huge to me right and Vinny's a little more loosey-goosey with it but then his ideas are always the shit like he'll be like well I was thinking you do like something like this and I'm like oh I'm gonna just like what you were describing with your band I'll take that idea and I will fucking hammer it into the ground like do it perfectly but I can't think of that idea in the first place. Right. I'm right. just kind of like throwing a lot of the same weapons, drumming wise, at this particular riff. And Daniel, who plays guitar, he's just fucking, he comes up with sick ideas all the time. And here's what's insane. This will wrap everything up. Uh, Vinny, well, my favorite song that I've ever been a part of is a, is a new one that uh, my current band has worked on. And uh, we, we have it wrapped up like it's done and it'll be a part of like the next record, uh, which we don't have really any plans to record. I think we're loosely talking about summer, mm -hmm. but uh, it's Talk my- Talk to me when you're ready. I will, I'll, yeah. I'll hook you up, man. It's, it's my favorite song I've ever been responsible for, or not even responsible for, but a part of. But the it all started with Vinny, of all people, fucking around on the guitar. And he had this idea that just like how he lights me up with- And he doesn't historically play guitar. No. He's a singer, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing. He wouldn't identify as a singer either. Mm -hmm. I think he might identify as a drummer before anything else, but he's just that fucking annoying-ass jack-of-all-trades that can just, he can sit, and I only say annoying out of jealousy, because he can sit down and he's just fiddling around on guitar, and just like how he lights me up with drums and makes me want to push him off my throne so I can sit down. Now I'm inspired right. by something he thought of. Same thing with guitar. Daniel was like, whoa, whoa, okay, hold up, hold up. And he he grabs the guitar and he starts building off this, uh, I remember the riff specifically had a tail on it that was the most hooky, it was the sickest shit I've ever heard. And Daniel felt the same way. So Daniel starts building on it and he's got, you know, 15, 20 years guitar experience, whatever uh -huh. it is. So just like you were saying with drums, he hammered it home and then we slowly wrote. But I mean, that is not a way, in, in my experience, that amazing songs are written. It's typically... The drummer yeah. who's best at drums drums on this. The guitarist who's best on 
but it's, you, it's, know what? you mix that shit up. It used to be my experience too. And yeah. ever since the days and nights, I'm never going back. Yeah. You want to be in a band with me? Better get ready for me to play some fucking guitar with you. It just shows I'm you there's no to. one answer, dude. It's no, just, and it's like... It's all about the personalities involved in the project. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also really fun for other people to do that model because it's it's really fun to pretend to be something you're not. So if you're not a good drummer, but you always wanted to try drumming, well, now you get to do it at band practice. No one's going to be fun to you. And that, but see, that's the keys. You have to have a conversation. You have to say like, look, this is going to sound terrible for a second. Like that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. Which, and that's fine. The magic thing that you just described is great, but it's not always going to happen. Exactly. If if you do what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and that's, that's the purpose of it all is not, you know, Vinny never sits down and goes, okay, what I'm about to play, I'm going to play perfectly. Nope. We could record what I'm about to play. Right. He, he never does that. He's like, okay, I'm just sketching right this now. This is literally a sketch of a sketch. And then I see a sketch and I go, give me that shit. I'm going to scan it, put uh-huh. it into Photoshop. Exactly. And clean it up perfectly. Yeah. Are you, would you say you are a creative drummer or are you a reactionary drummer? Do you know what I mean by the two? Maybe. Like, do you come up with stuff, say on your own in a way or are you better at reacting to a guitar riff oh i see what you're saying i've always felt like uh i used to like kind of jokingly uh tell friends that the most frustrating thing about drums is that you can never it's not a romantic instrument no I can it's never so fucking loud. I can't set up my kit in in some girl's front no, yard and throw They're pebbles at her window and be yeah. like, "Come to the window, I wrote you a song," <laughs> and just start Christ. just go full Thomas Pridgen. You can't do the the Peter Gabriel speaker over your head moment. Yeah, just blast beating for six minutes and go. That song is about how much I love you. No, I, exactly. You need there's, an there's acoustic nothing. guitar. You need melody. You need, you need melody. Fucking, and I've I've accepted that. And I sort of I like the um, lack of responsibility that I get to be reactionary. Give me your riff. How does it make me feel? Okay, it makes me want to fuck shit up. Right. So I'm going, I'm going ride yeah. cymbal. I'm going like real southern open, limited kick. But then there's other times where I'm like, dude, that shit needs a dance beat. Or that needs some closed hi hat. I've always thought of shit. drumming as like composing. Yeah. That's kind of what you're doing. You're structuring the like when you look at a live audience and everyone's nodding their head, they're nodding their head to you, the drummer. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what that is. And so and if, if they're not want, nodding your head, you aren't doing your job. You're not doing your job. So exactly. If you want to, you know, create space and that kind of like half, you do like a half time, half time thing. Yeah. Like open it up and then, you know, that is how we sort of conduct this fucking song. Yeah. I mean, once I kind of figured that out, I, I felt like I could really drum in a band. Yeah, Instead that's, of trying to come up with parts, like what does that even mean for drums? Yeah, I think that it's it's kind of of particular importance that the drummer not he he needs to he or she really needs to pick their spots, and that I I've mm-hmm. always kind of said it, it's the most blue collar position. Oh God, yeah, in the band, absolutely. Just it's half athlete, man. Yeah, you you're just running on a treadmill. You're just back there, and you're just building a spine to the music. And it's it's a little bit thankless. It is, and they're you know drum solos are drum solos are widely considered (laughs) douchier than guitar solos. (laughs) Couldn't tell you why. Um, And then 
you know, vocalists, their whole fucking position is a solo. They're yeah. up front in the leather pants and yeah, dr- you have a job to do. Yeah. You're, you're clocking you're in. You're in the back. Like you're, you're in the back. Like if, if a band, yep. if a band is a building, you're in the mail room. You're, and it's like, shut the fuck up, sort the mail, but without you, we're fucked. Or if your band is a building, you're like the foundation. Yeah. You're, you're the, the columns. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like the meat of the fucking structure of that building. Yeah. Like you're needed, but you know, rarely appreciated and, which which is fine, dude. I've never I, part of what makes drumming attractive to me is that it's the loudest shit, and yet I'm in the back, so I can kind of <laughs> there's there's nothing about being a guitarist or vocalist personality wise that that lines up with me. I'm yeah. I'm uh, you especially know, being a singer. I you know hats off to the guys that can do it well. Yeah, because I just don't. I know. Well, also just the vocalist thing. It's always been crazy to me that vocalists are like a cheerleader too. Like, why are they, why is that the sexiest position? Because to me, it's, it's so effeminate. Like you're, you know, it can be, or it can be completely badass too though. True. Yeah. I guess if you're like Dillinger escape plan or something, right. Then you're just, I think it's a fucking monster. You're just slamming shit against a, a fucking Jesus. I, I remember my favorite, I've never seen them live, but I remember, uh, just cause we were talking about shows back when, it was the Meow Meow, uh, same building as what then became Loveland. Um, this girl that I was interested in at the time, her, her and her friend were going to go see, which I, I to this day beat myself up for not going to the show. It was Dillinger, Azalea Dying, Every Time I Die, Bleeding Through, and like one other band. It was like all the hits. I wasn't really a Dillinger fan, but they were headlining, so I just leave it's before funny, them. Out of all of those bands, Dillinger is the band I like the most. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't go to the show, and I later find out that... Um, a bunch of people I knew went and they told me that I think his name's Greg. He's got like a weird last name from Dillinger. Oh, they're like, first drummer. Like, yeah. Or uh, singer. Oh, oh yeah. The singer. Sorry. Like uh, it starts Pashama, with a P. Pashama or Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I guess he like had his shirt off. He was just ripped. And like mid song, he grabs this uh, industrial fan, like a 30 inch non oscillating. Yeah, he throwing fans at people. He just grab it, but he would slam it because the stage was in the, in a corner. Yeah. So it was against a brick wall to your left. And so he, a guitarist that's a uh, stage, I don't, I've never known if stage right is when you're facing the stage or looking off of it, whatever. That's when you're facing. When you're facing the stage. So oh, that, no, no, no. When the crowd is facing the stage, yeah. stage right is, so if you're on the stage, you're the band, yes. stage right is right for you. Okay. So then this guy was stage left against the brick wall. Gotcha. And uh, Greg kind of motions him, I guess, this is uh, an account from a friend that was there, tells him to like back up a little bit. And he just as like just mid song, doesn't stop or anything. He's still singing. He grabs the fan and just starts slamming it against that brick wall. Pieces of metal are like yeah. falling on these 14 year old kids. That in the era of he would always do that shit. And like there's a video of Dillinger like pretty early on um, playing at a mall. And so it's like a CD release show. Remember they used to do like shows at like Tower Records and shit. Yeah, like or like a Hot Topic exactly. or some shit. Yeah. But it spills out into like the open throwaway in the mall. Mm-hmm. So there's like an escalator going up in the middle oh, of the crowd. Oh, Jesus. So it's like straight up a mall. And there's fucking kids everywhere. And <laughs> they're one of those bands that like when you go and see them live, I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's like It's like a sporting event. There's this tension building before they even start where they're like pacing back and forth. He's stretching. They're, they're ready to fucking murder people. Yeah. Right. And then the drummer like just locks eyes with everyone. They stop 
and they look at each other and he goes click 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 and they just start he fucking the singer takes off running literally running on the tops of the crowd <laughs> like like Jesus on water just, uh -huh. just runs across the crowd like oh my god and that was the first song Jesus the first song yeah, uh, he's a maniac. To to tie a lot of this up, I'm I'm actually fascinated with with this question. I love thinking about this for myself. If you could drum in any band, uh, active or not, what band would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. Fuck, that's tough. That is tough. I mean, there's just so many. Yeah. Oh, I definitely have more than one. I I think at this point. I have it down to one, but it would be tough. Like if I really had that power, what I, would you say? So for me right now, it would be, and this is only because I saw a performance of theirs on SNL from back in the day. And it just got me so fucking jacked. Um, rage against the machine. That's a good fucking answer. I mean, that is the pocket band of all pocket. Bands. That is a really good answer. I mean, that, it I mean, would, that might be, I was going to say Queens of stone age. That'd be a fun one too. Yeah. In a weird way, Queens would be a little more fun because there's more to it. But what I like about... It's obviously like close to the days of The, the scary days. thing about the Rage... thing I liked. I think I would fucking... I would oh, be dropping be so hammers fun. so goddamn hard that my drumming would suck and it's the easiest drumming ever. It's a lot of 4-4 four, four grooves at a really easy BPM. But, easy, but also the blue collar thing you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like easy, but don't get it twisted. Right. You're fucking working out back there. Well, especially with how fucking hard i would have to hit hearing zach's voice oh just dude. screaming the same that, line that, over that and drummer over. didn't have an option he God. had to fucking bring it oh fuck dude i mean how do you so go good. from that to audio slave that's tough that's tough biz right there he's not even opening his mouth how do you do that like i would if somebody was like, hey, rage isn't a thing anymore, Tom. If I'm Tom Morello and they're like, but we got this uh, we got this audio slave thing. Here's one song. I'd listen to the song. I'd be like, I'll do it, but I'm going to need some of Chris Cornell's uh, heroin that he takes. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to be lit the anyway. fuck up in order to handle that. Yeah, but you know, you asked them and they really liked it. And I think it was probably a nice break after being in rage against the fucking machine. By yeah. the way, that band, there's, you know, I've heard Tom Morello talk about this. There's no way to like explain the weight of being in a band like Rage because it wasn't just a big band. That's hard enough. That's hard enough to be in a stadium rock band that is big around the world. Mm -hmm. That's hard enough. Yeah. But now do that with like political energy. So everywhere they would go, there was almost a riot. They, they, it got to the point where all their tour managers and the crew, they would have to notify the police departments. Like it was like the circus coming to town. Well, yeah, and that's something they don't get. That's a really good point because they don't get credit for the fact that they were doing that before it was edgy, pre nine eleven. Now you can do that, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you're another uh, band that, that thinks that the government sucks. This is back, like, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right in the nineties and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were banned from SNL. For what? They didn't rip it. It's because they had upside down American, flag, American right? flags yeah. on their cabs. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. And it's, they're artists. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's it is a statement. Really crazy. It is a statement. It's not even a violent statement. It's no. just like the NFL They're kneeling just shit. To prod and and cause people to think yeah. that we're not a perfect country. Yep. I remember being young and and it really hit me really hard. It's like this is fucked, man. There's so many people in prison. Wait, most of them are fucking black. Oh man, <laughs> like yeah. the spiral of like questions I had and it really was profound for me. I mean, I would say that I um I don't agree with all of that type of political way now, like far, I guess you'd call rage far left, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. The, the irony in that is they're actually not because they're anti-government. Right. Right. They're like freedom. It's about freedom. Yeah. Freedom they got of, pegged as anarchists all the time. Right. And Tom right. Morello would be like, uh, I, that couldn't be less true. Yeah. They're, they're, um, I mean, I get libertarian is like probably the closest to it, but they're. Yeah. Which back then was fucking edgy was like edgy right libertarian back then was like oh dude so total anarchy no that's no, not no. that's not what we're saying it was like most people i know yeah if if you're being honest with yourself but yeah that'd be my band <sighs> i mean if you would ask me i mean for the longest time it was deftones yep that'd but, be a good one but then that's also one for me where i'm like i don't really want to touch that i don't want to be responsible for it because abe is is such a a huge influence for me that I couldn't fill yeah. those shoes. I would just be ruining something that I Did I, I tell love. you I, I met Chino yes. last year? Yeah. Yeah, we did like a music conference out in Bend. In yeah, he lives in Bend, right? Yeah. yeah. So Neil and I and this guy Justin Abel, who's another producer here in town. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know Justin. You I know met Justin? Justin through Vinny. Oh, okay, yeah. Justin's probably going to come hang out with, with Stateside. And That's insane. Yeah. Justin We're gonna have Abel one show. We should. Man. He's been on the show. Really? Yeah, back in the day. Check it out. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking a little while ago of having we let's let's book that shit. Let's yeah, come back on. That's yeah, that's awesome. Um. Anyway, yeah. So him and Neil were invited to talk on a panel. It was like a what? The f- it was something. Oh, I remember this. It was like a music conference. I forget the theme of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was all like local Oregon uh, people in the music industry, and obviously since Chino lives in in band, he was asked to do it. And so it was really fucking cool. Like everyone went in and like introduced themselves. And then the uh, the guy that put on the, the event obviously gave Chino more time because everyone's just like fucking waiting for him to talk. Yeah. And he was so sweet and he was so like uh, charitable with his time. You know, you have to imagine because it was like three days after that music conference, he went on a world tour. Jeez. You know, he's, he's home for a blink of a second with his family. Yeah. And we asked him to come out here at some stupid bar and, you know, talk to us. Yeah. But he de- was so kind. Deftones has been on my uh, my bucket list for, for bands to design for, for, I mean, as long as I've been designing. It's just fucking impossible. If you go to settings. Is that what it is? Go to notifications. It's funny because I've actually always wanted to know how to do this. Oh, that is what's up. And then also close your shit out too. It is. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chino was so kind. Like, you know, because we talked to him after and took some pictures of him and shit. And he was just such a nice guy. I mean, he sat, he stood around and talked to kids for like an hour after this conference. You know, and, and you could tell that all the, the, the kids knew who he was that right. lived in Bend. They were so proud to say that he lived there. Because Bend is a really isolated town. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I, I was reading in a in an article. That's what that's what Chino likes about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's got just it feels like it's so distant from. You got to think about all the stimulation he gets being in that world, like a, a fucking that's an A level celebrity. Oh, I just remember the guy that put on that conference. I think his name was John. John was a really nice guy, and he'd be a really good guest too on the show. He puts on a lot of shows down there. Like oh, okay. really, really big festivals. Oh, dude, yeah, that's um, we should totally do that. It's so like a show promoter angle. Yeah, he also he also like produces music too. I think. Yeah, cool let's guy. do that. Yeah, him, Justin, that would that would be killer. Fuck yeah! Um, I have a couple uh, topics here. Oh shit! Did you did you see Brendan Schaub was on the Logan Paul podcast? Yeah, I I wanna I wanna check that out. Yeah, terrible, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't checked that out. I heard about it, though. So I actually checked it out this morning. It was surprisingly good, I have to admit. That's what I heard. I heard that uh, Logan Paul kind of drops the act a little bit, and he's actually a much more introspective... Just a way normal guy. Yeah. I mean, he's still Logan Paul at yeah. times, and you're like, oh, there it is. But yeah, I mean, I think he's as real as that guy can get, I guess. Right. Whatever. But I, I, I appreciated... Um, it was something that I kind of started to think about, you know, because they were kind of going back and forth, like Brendan Schaub and Logan Paul were going back and forth. You know, Logan would ask him what it's like to be a stand-up comic now coming from fighting. And then Brendan Schaub would point out that, you know, he's a YouTuber, also trying to make it in like traditional Hollywood media, like trying to be an actor and how they're both these guys who didn't stay in their lane and are, you know, have kind of have a tough time because people, a lot of people give Brendan Schaub a ton of shit for being a comic. Right. A yeah. lot of people. Yeah. They're like, this motherfucker, I, I've been doing stand up comedy for 15 fucking years before I got my first stand up special. This kid's been doing it for a couple of years and he gets one. Right. And obviously that's flawed logic. We all know that. Right. Well, here's my thing with that though. If I'm, and I'm sure this is what Joe Rogan's saying in, in Schaub's ear. Uh, my feeling on that is good because then, because the, if, if I told you, if I was like, Hey James, I, I just sold my house. Can't do the podcast anymore because I just, I have to go to LA and be a stand up comic. No one would give a shit. And that's so much harder than oh, people God. doubting you because people doubting I you, know. especially people already in the industry, they're talking about you. And when they, when they talk shit about you to say another comedian or to some non-comedians, mm -hmm. Their your name is now in those people's ears, and then they see your name on a marquee or that you're going to do a show. Whatever they're going to be, like, hey, that sounds familiar because that one comedian I like was talking shit about this guy. Let me go check it out. So all you got to do is just be good. Yeah, and you're they're almost like you know people talking shit about you to a degree. They're handing out flyers for you. Yeah, and like it's also just it's just flawed logic and thinking that someone didn't deserve to get to where they got. What does that even mean? Yeah. Brendan Schaub got punched in the face for a living. Like, yeah. That's how he got a pedestal. That's how people started to know who he was. That's how he got, quote, famous. Yeah. And from that, he started to do podcasting. He was naturally funny on the podcast. One thing leads to another. He's doing stand-up comedy. And if you hate a guy for doing that, you're insane. Yeah. He's well, you, worked his fucking ass off. You're just insecure. You're just insecure. You're a fucking hater. It's like, okay, well, this isn't fair. You know, that's all that is. And then, and Brendan is, is just the, is it Brendan or Brandon Shaw? I still don't know, actually. It, it is Brendan. It is Brendan. E. Okay. Brendan. Um, yeah. It's just, it's them. It, it's, it's, 
misplaced anger. That's all that is. Yeah, and like with Logan Paul, who I'm not a fan of, I, I do not like his stuff. It's not for me. It's not no. my cup of tea. Yeah, you're not 16. No, but it doesn't matter. That's something I say in the show all the time. It doesn't matter what I think. No. It's a it's a separate thing. Things can exist outside your brain. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, people. Things can be successful and there can be an industry outside of you and what you like. And Logan Paul is good at what he does. Ricky Gervais has the greatest bit about this where he said, and you have to watch, I don't know if you're much of a stand-up comedy fan, but dude, his his no, most huge, yeah. Most okay, recent yeah. special, you gotta watch it. He he talks about how what you're exactly what you're describing right now is things existing outside of your life, things that you don't really like, you're not a fan of. They're going to exist and, and they have a right to. Yes. He has this bit about uh being upset about that is like seeing a, a sign that says, you know, guitar lessons, and then there's a bunch of pieces of paper with a phone number on it. Mm-hmm. And you call up the number and you go, I don't fucking want guitar lessons. It's insane. It's like, why the fuck did you call? Just yeah, walk call, away. Walk it's away. not for it's you. It's not for you then. That's you all. Dummy. It's so, it's actually harder for you to fucking stomp your feet. Yes. And get pissed about it. And and even f- and far further from that point is the whole idea that people like Logan Paul or people like Brendan Schaub or anyone on this planet has to stay and quote their lane. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that where yeah. that comes from. Anyway, it was just something that because of this podcast, it got me really thinking about that sort of topic because I really encourage people to go do the thing they want to do. And if you are, say you're, you know, you're a musician, which a lot of our audience are, say you're in a band, but you've always wanted to do a podcast. Don't think that because this is your identity that you can't now go do a podcast or now you want to try acting, or you want to give it all up and try being a firefighter. I did that shit for three years. I got my EMT license, and I was a firefighter for three fucking years. And I remember at the time, I wouldn't say people gave me shit, but there was a lot of like, huh? What? And that's that's fine. It's understandable to take such a hard turn. But life is very long, and we are very diverse people, right? And to, to try to just like pigeonhole people into one type of person is so crazy and limiting that it, it makes me like, uh, makes me get ang- like anxiety. <laughs> you know? Like yeah, the, the thought whole, that I can't try different things. The whole stay in your life. If you think about that, like, like where does that end? You where know? does it end? So Brenshaw was just supposed to be what an MMA fighter his entire life. Did they ever bring up the Chris D'Elia shit? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they, they totally brought it up. Okay, I was going to say, they'd be insane if they didn't. Yeah, Logan, he was, I mean, he handled as good as he possibly could. He's like, I, look, I got into a, I forgot how, I mean, he, you know, it's worth watching, but he. Yeah, I'll check it out. He points out that he basically gets into the ring with a professional fighter. You know, like, why would I ever have done that? Right. I'm the fucking moron for <laughs> starting a Twitter war with Chris D'Elia. Yeah. The roast king of the world. Like, this guy loves doing this. He's professional at it. Um, and, and he even was like, hey, yeah, I'm a fan of his too. I like his comedy. Yeah, because so, I, anyway. I listen the most recent uh, Chris D'Elia podcast. He talks about um, just the Logan Paul, Brendan yep. Shaw podcast. And he, he's just kind of like, I'm I'm stoked for the kid. He can do whatever. And He's 23 years old. Dude. He's like, even our, our little roast thing, I don't think about it. It's a thing that... No. He's like, even if, if you see me on Twitter, tell somebody like, fuck off you piece of shit even if i say that those are harsh words 
I st- I get off my phone and I just move on. And sometimes I forget that I did it. He's yeah. like, I don't really invest emotionally, even though some people glean from my interactions on Twitter that that's what I'm doing, but yeah. it isn't. That's literally, that's how good at that whole Twitter comedy roasting thing that Chris D'Elia is, is he can do it without being emotionally invested. Yeah, it's just a setup for a punchline. You're yeah. just setting him up to make a joke. And that's what a lot of those guys, that's how they see it. Yeah. But... Yeah, anyway, it was, it was fascinating because, again, Logan Paul's not my cup of tea. I don't really like his content, but again, I mean, it's, it doesn't it's, matter. It's an awesome hustle on on uh, Logan's part because that, that's a good Dude, get. He's, he's a hard worker, man. To get to get Brendan Schaub. I mean, that that was a smart move because that, that not might... Not just to get him, to get him on his side. Yes. And Brendan yeah. Schaub was defending him to the end. I almost wonder if he was a bit hand-picked because it's like, like you were saying, if they if they talked about not staying in your lane and, and you're new at this thing. You're new at something I'm no, trying to get it, into. It really seemed very organic. I mean, the reason that Brendan Schaub was asked to be on the show was because, I mean, I, I would assume because when Logan Paul, he did like a fight with someone. I think he boxed yeah. another YouTuber or something. He did. Yeah. And it, it did really well. Yeah. And they, they made money and seemed like he was actually uh, trained for it. And like he trained four hours a day for five months. I mean, he legitimately worked very hard to do this boxing match whatever right but yeah and so i remember at the time brendan schaub uh being critical the way that anyone should be like yeah it is a little ridiculous but it's no more ridiculous than conor mcgregor going in boxing he's not a boxer right what's what's yeah he's a fighter but logan paul grew up wrestling he won like state championships in high school wrestling he was a football player. He's a big guy. He's a big kid. He is. Yeah, he's in good shape. And and so I just found it fascinating that it's, it's actually what I like about Brendan Schaub the most is as disagreeable as he can be. And you know what I mean by that? Oh, he's, yeah. He's very disagreeable. He's also very positive. And he's mostly positive towards people that put in the work. Yeah. Right? And so if you are someone like Logan Paul, again, it doesn't matter if you like his stuff or not, but he's arguably one of the best at that and he's he's a multi-millionaire from youtube like it, a multi-multi-millionaire it's hard to deny hard work start start a youtube channel see, see right. how that goes for you yeah start a youtube channel start filming yourself all day they call it a vlog post it on youtube see what happens see if you get the kind of numbers that asshole got yeah it's fucking nuts man got to take a trip to suicide forest in japan dude yeah they talked about that yeah you know, and, and they were very honest about it. I mean, no one is like saying it was a good thing. And I mean, he's, again, he's a kid. Well, yeah. He Raise almost your hand takes if like, you didn't make mistakes in early 20s. Oh, I for sure did. Jesus. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's, I'm kind of solipsistic about that shit. It's like, he's doing what he's doing and he's doing that. And that's cool. Like I, yeah. I almost sound uninterested because I sort of am. Because you are. Yeah. That's the point. That's it's, it's the, the uh, metaphor or the example used from Ricky Gervais. Yeah. It really is that. You like, walk by the guitar lesson. Just walk you by it. Do not take the time for you to call that shit and so try th- to make them feel bad about offering guitar lessons and shit. By the way, it's how I think about everything. Movies, bands, I think it's so funny when people get so bent out of shape about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying I'm, you know, uh, um, immune to it because I do it too. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I don't ever judge or give my opinion on things. I talk shit about bands all the fucking time. 
but if you really want the truth from me, the truth is it doesn't matter what I think. The yeah. truth is if it's if it's working for another demographic, then cool. Godspeed. Go go get yours. All day. Yeah. It, it's just it's fucking funny to me. People just I don't know why people think that, you know, the human experience is is one dimensional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So it's so weird. It's so fucking weird. It really is. It's just so fucking uninteresting. It's it's a lot of, you know, it's like, just complaining and shit. It's, I don't know. I if you can make your complaints funny, cool. But yeah, a lot of people can't. It's just whiny and it's it causes ear fatigue for me. Um, you know the actor from Fresh Prince of Bel Air that played Carlton? Yeah. Can't think of the actor's name right now, but that guy. Is this about him suing Fortnite? Yes. Dude, I so love he it. Sues Fortnite and NBA 2K for using the quote Carlton dance. Yeah, how does funny? that work? Does What's he have the trademark name? on that? I fuck I doubt it. How do you trademark a movement? And I don't like every white guy does that at every wedding. Yeah. I mean, come on. Every eighties night at the venue I used to work at did that. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. How do you trademark a dance? <laughs> Has that even been done before? I don't know. I mean, we, you know. Can you trademark like the twist? The, the fucking. I wonder about like, like the Macarena. What about yeah. that? One? No. Doesn't make any sense. We live in a fucking litigious world. I mean, you know, specifically uh, a litigious nation. This is how we make money. This is, we right. litigate. Go sue crazy. Oh my God, I, I want to talk about this. So do you remember the the guy with the really thick neck that was arrested? Yeah. Did you see this the other day? The the thick neck guy and daddy long neck? Daddy long neck, yeah. yeah with a really, so for those listening, a white guy with a very long neck and a big black dude with a very thick neck got together and paired up and made a rap song and video together. Yeah, and it's horse shit. It's also, terrible, clearly. Uh, Daddy Longneck does not just have a long neck. That fucker... Jesus. He's anorexic or, I mean... He's dying. Yes. He's actively dying. Yeah, he... He looks terrible. And, and you don't know what age he is now, but yeah, he's got like five years to live. And what's the name of the band? Next Up. Next Up. Uh, I kind of like that. That's cool. I'm into that. Should be called fucking birthdefects.com. They are horrendous looking, all of them. I mean, Wide Neck is the least odd looking. It was released on the 16th and it already has three over 3 million views. Ho ho! I wish you could see this one. I actually haven't seen the video. Shotty lit the neck, are we next up? Shotty wanna fuck, are we next up? It's rough. God bless America. <laughs> that is rough. You know, not the worst oh. rap I've heard recently. Yeah, it's surprisingly good. What's the view count of that video at? Over three million. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so they're they're making money off that. It's weird because it's like, oh, you know, that's God. for me, quality wise, that's not up to snuff. But at the same point, that's, that's, Again, also, that's not the point anymore. Like we were just talking about, we can't expect these neck motherfuckers to stay in their necky lane. Yeah. They want to go cash in on their neck 
to their neck stuff. Yeah. Then they should. And they are. That, now, will they be famous for more than a second? Nope. No, they won't. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. But at the same time, why would I, I hope that? Do. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't fucking... I guess I don't care, but it is it is weird. I think anybody that has an issue with that, it's, it's just the... Um, it's the lack of comfort that you feel when your understanding of the world mm-hmm. is flawed. To me, like one plus one is two and good sounding shit is what gets popular. The first one is true. The second one is not. It, good sounding shit is not always what gets popular and bad sounding shit is not always what can't get more than 10 views on YouTube. Sometimes right. it's it's a little of either and these guys... Uh, they found a way to fucking make it work. I just hope that there isn't some like weird manager that's fucking them over and right because they seem the like just come out. Yeah, they seem like a couple agreeable dudes that are just you know, hey, I can make you a star, and they're you know, that's the same kid that was on your mom's house podcast, right? Yeah, that's so funny. That's the same kid. I mean, dude, there's videos of him like what the twerking, fuck? like he's just in his underwear and his. His body is fucking bizarre. It's so weird. And my thing is, if he's if he's technically like healthy and shit, and he's just doing this, maybe he just kind of like looks weird. How cool. Can he be? But I'm I'm wondering if there's, you know, that fucker might have like heart disease, and he's just out there filming rap videos. And I want him to go to the doctor. Yeah, I want him to go to the doctor. Get some yeah, medicine let's, and let's get some medicine. Rehab it or surgery or whatever the fuck. But there's just there's no way that he's. Yeah, for those who have no idea what we're talking about. Just type in Daddy Longneck on Google, on the Google machine, and click images and just have have some fun. Better yet, click videos. Look at that fucking... That's what I'm saying. E.T. motherfucker. What's going on there? Yeah, because you're right. That's not just a long neck. That's that's a whole thing. His whole shit is weird. Like, everything about him. Oh, that's... Oh. Oh. No, that's obviously not real, right? Hundred percent real. No. Yeah, that's not he, photoshopped. You're a, he. Well, I guess <gasps> I, that's real. Okay, that might. I mean, he looks like an Auschwitz. That yeah, that midsection. But I mean, it's that's not far off. I've seen video of him Oof. like twerking, and then there's videos of like women twerking on him because he's you know he's an E-list celebrity. Yeah, I mean that's right that's now. real, and he looks insane there. Yeah. And that looks a bit older too. So if he's, you know, Ooh. with his fame, if he's fucking with drugs and shit, it's only going to get worse. Now, what do you think looks better, the the long haircut for him or the shaved head that he's rocking now? Uh, see, like what balances out that? It was tough because the long body. hair. Can't believe I'm like seriously going to answer that question, but I, I have a legit opinion. I on really want to know. Uh, his long hair accentuated his bizarre, uh, emaciated frame, but. The loss of hair accentuates this like brain cancer thing. (laughs) Like he looks sicker without his hair. It looks like whatever Uh. disease he has that's fucking eating away at his body is is getting stronger and now he's losing his fucking hair too. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's tough. I'm I'm back and forth on it. Basically, they both looked horrible. Hey, guess what? I need a fucking piss horde. So I'm going to go pee pee. Yeah, I need another beer. We'll come back, do some movie stuff and I'll be right back. Um, I had a great pee break. 
I hope everyone else listening had a great break that you didn't have because it's a podcast and probably one second went by for you. Um, how about you, Alan? It was great. Good. I just sat here on the couch and pissed my pants. Oh, good. That's how I do it. your pants. Rip your eyes out. Yep. Smoke crystal meth and rip <laughs> your eyes out, bro. Absolutely. I'm looking at the Scottish flag, the American flag, and the Irish flag. Mm-hmm. Looks good. We got some framed band posters in here. Alan is working on a poster wall in the corner. Yep. Things are looking dope, man. Things are looking dope. Should have a new couch soon. Fuck yeah, man. It's funny. When I started this, I was like, you know, this will be a fun thing to do, and it'll be maybe a, a fun little um, project that, unlike my other ones, I won't get, like, financially wrapped up in, you know? <laughs> and then fucking the mic I and know. the interface, and I'm just like, <laughs> no. it's it's my fault. I can't really I can't oh, I, half-ass anything. I appreciate it, man. I really do. It's fun. It's more fun that way, so yeah, mission accomplished. Make it yours. Yeah. I hate this ceiling, right? Yeah. It's pretty bad. It's super depressing. I try not to look at it. Yeah, I don't I never know what to do about it. Especially this one panel that's like, I mean, that's a gaping hole. Well, I guess the one thing we could think about is if we're not going to use the lights up top, which we could, but if we don't, then, and we just rely on lamps down here or whatever, yeah. then we could almost like, you see people put flags on, on roofs. Yeah. Do that kind of thing. Yeah. Or something of that nature. A tapestry, if you will. Yeah, get it like a 70s tour bus in here. <laughs> exactly. Fucking flags everywhere. Do some, uh, uh, what are the tie-dye banners and shit? Yeah. Love it. Did you have some current event news things on there? Yeah. I got some stuff. On um, the old computer machine? Yeah, let's see. We got... Uh, yeah, the first one was... Uh, the Cannibal Corpse guitarist, um, Pat O'Brien, mm-hmm. uh, he is out of jail. But initially, uh, what happened was his house caught fire. And then so he ran to a neighbor's house and entered entered the house like without knocking, you know, just because it's an emergency. He just runs in, yeah. starts using uh, the neighbor's phone without permission or anything. Neighbor calls the cops when he notices and the cops show up. Wait, was the people home? Were the people home that he ran into? I, I guess so. They either arrived home or they were somewhere in the house and uh, and came into the, the room that, that Pat was in. Saw him, freaked out, called cops. Cops show up. Fire department does not. I believe the house... I don't know if they saved the house or not. Anyway, long story short, the, the police check it out after the fact and arrest him because within the house he had uh, 50 shotguns, 10 semi-automatic rifles, two what are called Uzi-style rifles, and 20 handguns. Uh, naturally, thousands of rounds of ammunition were also present. Were so, they... You can't just arrest a guy for having guns. Were they like illegal guns? or I'm assuming so. A search warrant reveals that authorities found two flamethrowers inside the, the home <laughs> as well. Jesus Christ. Uh, after serving several days <clears throat> in the county jail, O'Brien was released on December 14th and is currently free on bail. But just think about that. Like he, oh, so I guess he was charged with a assault and burglary. So he must have gotten into a scuffle with the homeowner as well and... I don't know what they're saying that he 
that he fucking burgled. But yeah. And also the the gun thing. I mean, yes, that is excessive, but <laughs> you do have a right to own guns, and actually, right. you have a right to own as many guns as you want. But yeah, I'm just curious. Like maybe do flamethrowers count as guns? I I mean I don't know. That's I rough. Don't, I don't think they do. I don't know. I don't even you, know what what is that? Yeah. If you gave me f- like five thousand dollars right now and just said go buy yourself a flamethrower, I'd be like, where? Where? Where do I go? Where, I would Google it. I why guess. Why is another valid question? Yeah, that too. Um, how? Right. When? Like, like, how, you know, what time of? Is there a? Yeah. How do you do that? It's a weird thing because we all know what a flamethrower is, but to me, owning one, I mean, it might as well be a fucking hoverboard. Didn't fucking Tesla make a flamethrower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elon Musk took it to Joe Rogan. I think Joe still has it. <laughs> That's right. Because he, because now if you're his guest, you can either pose with the, the katana or the flamethrower. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting world out there. Fuck yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm light on news. Other than that, I, I pulled up one when I was looking for some shit. It just says... Um, it's all good. An unspeakable tragedy. Uh, Connecticut town stunned by arrest of 12-year-old in killing of twin sister stabbing mother. Um, just says... Wait, what did he do? So, sorry, go ahead. He, he's From what I read, he stabbed his sister to death and then... Uh, and then stabbed his mom. Says, Yikes. 12-year-old boy allegedly killed his twin sister by stabbing her in the neck and torso and attacking his mother, a prominent lobbyist. And, well, so she deserved it. And what a family <laughs> friend described as an unspeakable tragedy in their Connecticut home, officials said. Um, Jeez. Bridget Curtin was identified Wednesday as the 12-year-old who was killed by her brother, uh, in their West Hartford home, according to the Hartford County Medical Examiner's Office. Uh, Bridget suffered stab wounds to her neck and torso, a medical examiner official told ABC News. Uh, her brother also allegedly stabbed his mother, identified by her employer as uh, Jane Marie Murphy, 56, who survived the eruption of domestic violence Monday afternoon. Whoa. 12 years old, huh? Yeah. At like... Boy... The weirdest thing is the time all this went down. Fucking, the police were called at 3.30 p.m. Yeah. It's typically a very peaceful part of the day, but... Sure is. In this house, just a very stabby time of day. Awfully stabby. Being stabbed would be terrible. Yeah. Officers arrived on scene and located the two victims and the suspect. Uh, It doesn't sound like the mother... She was stabbed, but it seems like it was... I mean, you know, a 12-year-old... 12 year old's arms are probably gassed out after like killing a whole person and then the mom just kind of got what was left yeah it doesn't say what he what happened to him this is a weird question but I wonder what the average age is for murder like to be a murderer yeah right because you kind of the sweet spot would be somewhere you know in the I don't know, life experience, meeting, like physical health. Yeah, it's got to be like our age plus 10 years, maybe plus or minus I 10 would years. say so. Yeah. yeah I, I, my guess would be like a 40-year-old white male is like the guy. Yeah, if I had, I honestly think my guess would be, my guess would be 30 and I'll tell you why. Typically mental illness sets in around 25 Mm -hmm. 
So then I, I kind of feel like you experience, you know, half a decade of, of some bullshit and you, you kind of get to a point where you're fed up and then, you know, things you, you're told to like go to the doctor and you're, you're medication non-compliant and then uh, you just, you fucking snap after a while. Cause I, there's gotta be a few initial years of like confusion trying to figure out your diagnosis or, or maybe being in denial of it or something. Right. I wonder if that's like a Googleable thing. Or even people without mental illness, like, you know, like gangbanger dudes and people that kill because of like culture and I don't know. There's different reasons people murder bitches, I guess. Oh, the first thing that comes up says homicide fact, age matters. Hmm. Uh, it says murder is the act of the young. Whoa. According to the FBI's Impulsive. uniform crime report, the average age of homicide victims fell from 34 years old in 1980 to 31 years old in 1984 mm. and then increased to 32 years. Those are the victims? Those are victims. So the number of, okay, so I'm trying to, Okay. The age pattern for homicide offenders follows a pattern similar to homicide victims. Homicide offending rates decrease with age. According to the UCR data, the average age of homicide offenders fell from 29 years old in 1980 to 26 in 1994 and oh, then wow. increased to 28 in 2008. So you're basically right on the money. Yeah. Yeah, right around that time. Yeah, because that is... Whoa. I mean, that is a mental illness minefield. Like 25 to 30 is... When everything starts popping off. Real fucking rough. Yeah. And like you're saying, you're young enough to still be healthy and able, mm -hmm. strong enough to do it. Whoa. Yeah, that's great. How does America compare to other parts of the world for homicide? I know it's, it's fucking way higher. At Aren't least, we pretty goddamn high? Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. At least with, uh, well, I should say not even at least, but especially with uh, gun murders. Well, it's definitely with, yeah, that stuff. Crazy. Did you have any other fun, depressing news stories? I didn't. No, dude. Just the Cannibal Corpse guy and then the, nice. the stabby 12-year-old. Hey, what's the name of your band? Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. I know. I. It's kind of mind-blowing that it was just, uh, that it was something as chill as Assault and Burglary. You would think with a, you know, being the guitarist in a band like that. Eat someone's face. Yep, for sure. And then wear their face. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I always think about like <clears throat> bands like uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, because we were talking about them earlier, for example. How crazy, I mean, they're such a fucking crazy band. Um, why am I trying to explain this? Like imagine just on average being in that band. It's one thing to experience something like that as the audience because it's one time for you. So it's this moment. Yeah. But try try sustaining that as a career. Every practice you do that? What? Yeah. Huh? Or they or they don't. You know, maybe it's I know. that's well, when they Well, they don't do yeah. When right. no one's watching, it's like, okay, we can be normal. They're just standing still. But it's not, still crazy music that you have to work up some sort of physicality. Oh, yeah, that's and true. And like emotion and yeah, it's crazy. Or like uh, that Mashuga. Yeah. That band. Well, I remember specifically, though, hearing that their drummer, Thomas Hake, he says that they just 
because you know when when they tour they tour for a while he he won't practice until three months before the tour and then it's a lot of like individual practicing that makes sense for that band yeah because that man that's a whole thing that's a that's lot a whole fucking thing yeah but at the same time with the kind of music they play they need to be tight as shit or it is going to sound horrible yeah those are those kind of bands that you're right they have to be so tight or else it just comes across so lame yeah the worst you've got every guitar note matching up with every kick drum hit and timing and and just the the cardio of, like some oh of those songs God. are five six minutes of just i know really intense that shit. song bleed oh. i'm not doing the pattern right but it's that. fucking insane yeah try doing that i can't even i don't even think i still don't understand it i've, I've like kind of tried uh, not super hard but i have tried just to even be able to do it with my hands i don't even understand the pattern yet i was just gonna say i remember trying to do it with my hands and i couldn't figure it out i uh, i know my buddy josh can do it here's the song wait start this over Stop coming up here. So crazy. Just get like a brief moment. Ugh. Just breathe real quick. Yeah. But that kind of drumming is, it's different than like what maybe the average person that, you know, isn't in a band or not a musician they might think that that's um, that's heavy. It's right. heavy music. It's mm-hmm. not heavy drumming. Meaning he's not hitting hard. Is yeah, what I'm trying to, to say. To a degree, yeah. I've, I've tried to kind of tell that to people. In, in, he's hitting with conviction. You can't be a pussy, right? But he's not Dave growing it. It's not this full wind up and yeah. He's not. That's kind of the trade off. No. Typically, the the more extreme the music, the less, less it's about hit. strength yep. and speed and more about control. Just control. That, that's essentially what blast beating is. Yep. You you are not slamming it down as hard as you can. No. It's just it's about controlling Drums, your wrist and hand. Barely and, even hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I think the left hand you have to hit hard. Like that, the, the dude from Meshuggah hits really hard with his left hand, mm-hmm. the snare drum. Like if you want, and he does the, um, what do they call it? It's open playing, so he's not crossing over with the hi-hat. He's, yeah. But he has the hi-hat over here on the right. Yeah, he does the Next left to the ride. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of guys have those. The, so you can just wind up with that left hand. Have you ever fucked with like cable hats? It's on like a cable yeah. that like... I mean, I've not personally, but I know what you mean. Yeah, those are the shit. I mean, I've, I've never owned it, but that's... If I see a kit at Guitar Center with those, I'm... I'm I just like, thought it'd yeah. be fun. I mean, not, it wouldn't fit for any of the bands I was in, but if I were in a, a band that this worked, I, I thought it'd be fun to have like the normal size hi-hat, like the workhorse hi-hat mm-hmm. where it normally is, you know, on the left, and then have like a totally different sounding hi-hat with that kit oh, on the right like yeah. the sugar has 
I don't like the dude from Dave Matthews Band. Does that kind of stuff. Oh, dude, Carter Beaufort. That guy is. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, man! He's so damn good, and he just sits back there chewing gum like maybe one of the best. Of like all he's time. doing nothing. Like he's, he's so relaxed doing taxes back there. Yeah, dude. I, I've always loved thirteen-inch hi hats. I think now is he shit. really goofy? Yes. Yeah. Does he wear little booties when he plays? Yes. Yeah. Is it a little much? Absolutely. Big ass kit. <laughs> it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's one of those guys that like, um, I I don't know. You can you can practice your whole life <laughs> and try to try to replicate that kind of drumming, but he is proof that I think some people were born with it. Yeah, he's just he's like he's one of those drummers we were talking about earlier. He just it's different. It's different. It's a different fucking ball game for him. And he's incredible. But and I just, by the way, he's in Dave Matthews Band, the most like unassuming. You don't, for me still, and and again, we're musicians, so we know or whatever, but I wouldn't think of Dave Matthews Band as being like representing top musicianship. If you're the average listener that just listens to singles on the radio or whatever, yeah, you hear a Dave Matthews Band song and you're like, oh, I love this song, Crashing to Me and whatever the other ones are. Yeah, like the weirdest sentence ever is you wouldn't know. the Dave Matthews Band drummer shreds, but that's yes. true. And the bass player. Yeah. And Dave Matthews, by the way. All of them. Have you seen his chord structure? Like yeah. pinky to thumb, like he's spreading his hands out so crazy. Yeah, just insane musicianship. The weirdest time the signatures. Band. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. But it's like this poppy, almost hippie jam thing. Who did Dave Matthews? I don't know how he did that. Dave Matthews dated some uh, like pretty solid uh, female celebrity, didn't he? I'm sure. I'm Gotta sure look it up. Laid some pipe around. About to look it up. He lives in Seattle with his family. I know he's a Seattle guy. That's cool. He looks like uh, Adam Sandler with Down syndrome. Yes, he does. I think they're friends, too, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, my God. That's really fucking funny to me. Dave Matthews. He looks like Adam Sandler with Down syndrome. What do I say here? Dating. I'll say dates. Um, uh, Wikipedia s- usually has a good personal oh, life. Oh, yeah. The personal life section. All right, I just said date celebrity. Why does he sound so weird? Is that an accent? He does. He's like a he's Louisiana like a, boy, right? It's almost like a white guy Shakira. Like he's got that peanut butter mouth thing going on sometimes. I think. Um, oh, he's from Charlottesville, Virginia. So he's a, a southern boy. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. But it's the strangest sounding voice. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna go to Wikipedia. Jesus, Google's blowing me off hard. Um, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I I actually remember, you know, my buddy telling me to watch Carter Buford's DVD. Is it Carter Buford? It's not Buford. It Carter, should be right? like that. Is it Buford Carter? No, no, no. It's it's yeah. It it's spelled Buford. That's his last name. Oh, what is it? But I feel like I I've heard multiple people say. Carter Beauford. Oh, okay. But I have no idea. I feel stupid saying Beauford, but I I don't know. So we'll call him Carter for now. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I just remember them going like, dude, you have to check this out. This guy fucking shreds. And I, I didn't believe it. It's like, oh, you mean the guy from Dave Matthews Band? Huh? I know. That's a tough one. It's hard to... I was the same way with Chad Smith, though. I didn't oh, know I he know. could shred. But the thing is, any drummer that's been playing as long as those dudes, they eventually develop that skill. Yeah, he Dave Matthews never dated a celebrity. I don't know who I'm thinking of. He married his longtime girlfriend in 2000. Oh, shit. 
shitty shit, shit, shit. Do you like any like jam band stuff like Fish, Grateful Dead? Because mm. I sure as fuck don't. Yeah, definitely no to those two. Um, can't, can't do it. Yeah, not that I can think of. The jam band thing is kind of a, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like that's kind of an older concept. Yeah, and it's, um, what does that mean? You know, it's like jam band. Okay, so do you mean people that improv or do you mean the, the genre jam band? Because right. that's a genre. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. Grateful Dead and Fish are a genre. Well, I Googled it. It says a rock band that plays music characterized by long uh, improv passages. Yeah, but that can be Spankled Don Cavallero or... Uh, yeah, because a passage doesn't have to be a full song. Yeah. So a lot of bands... can. So you can be a jam band for a moment. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers could be a jam band. Right. A lot of bands I've seen live then technically at one point throughout the set where a jam band, if they have like an interlude or mm. a creative way to get into a popular song so they don't just like give it away and it's not this cold, sterile performance. But one thing I always say, and I I got my jam band 101 crash course when I worked at the Crystal Ballroom because we would put on so many of those shows. You know, the Dark yeah. Star Orchestra would play Four fucking nights in a row. Yeah, Crystal did out. have a lot of that. Fish. All those kind of... Ba- um, drawing a blank right now. Uh, the string cheese incident. Um, who the fucking... All those type of bands. They're all... I mean, it's all the same. I, I've really... I've never been able to distinguish the difference in, in the bands. Yeah. And there's, there's always a couple common themes. They... They're... They attract the hippie crowd. Like the classic hippie dreadlocks, the fucking corduroy pants, the weed, drugs. It's it's all about drugs. Yeah. And um, there's a couple things that started to occur to me and everyone else around me is that if like, what am I trying? So if, <laughs> like I understand if you grew up in the 60s and you thought the Grateful Dead was like some of the most progressive music out there yeah that's different i get that that makes sense but if you're telling me that you're a 22 year old in 2018 and you think for fucking four hours is like taking you to the moon and that's like pushing your brain fuck you i mean how much i don't buy it how much are drugs involved, though? A tons like put are me, involved. Put me on a, a fucking 100 milligram edible, and all of a sudden I'm like, James, you don't get it, dude. This shit is fucking. <laughs> well, oh but that's God. my point, though. It's not always. It's not really about the music. It's about the the uh, scene. Yeah, right. Oh, it's for the sure. scene of friend, and which is fine. Again, it's their thing. Mm-hmm. It works. Um, but the other thing that is absolutely true is that that crowd typically claims to be environmentally like conscious and they're the nice guys, right? They're the yeah. ones that, like want to take care of the planet and recycle, bro. But <laughs> they were by far, not even fucking close, by far the most wasteful crowd, the most disrespectful crowd, like just a foot and a half of trash. Literally, we would have to like take those big brooms and shove 
a foot of like paper cups yeah. and trash and toilet paper and shit and fucking puke and piss and joints and drugs and like grease, just hippie slime. Yeah. Just scrubbing the ballroom. That sounds horrendous. And they're the type of people that like don't carry wallets. So how do they pay? With their sweaty fucking money. And you know, and they and they like they never read the chalkboard. They just ask you how much things are. Like, how much for the beer, man? Ugh. And you always know that you're not getting getting a tip when they say, You must love working here, bro. <laughs> like that was your tip. Them being nice to you was the tip. Dude, fuck all of that. Fuck sounds, all of that. That sounds horrible. And, and it is. And it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on, uh, I'm single, so I have Tinder. And Ugh. every time there's a girl with dreadlocks, I couldn't swipe left harder. Yeah, you're like, see ya. Yeah. Nope. No way that you have dreadlocks and Don't hygiene. Swipe. It's just not possible. It's really not. And if it is, then why do you have dreadlocks? That's the whole point of it, right? And I, it just I is a total judgment, but I just feel like that person... There's no way they're not going to be didactic where they're just constantly trying to tell me about, uh, you, yes. well, actually, yes. uh, this and that. And just, uh, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need all that. I need us to like actually be able to connect somehow, not have you fucking be my weird unemployed teacher. Yeah. Not for me, man. Not for me. Nope. But again, back to what we were talking about earlier. It doesn't matter what I like. Yeah. It's a whole fucking scene. It's a whole industry. They Those bands sell the fuck out, dude. I mean, you go to any of those shows and there are 4,000 people. Oh, yeah. What does Dave Matthews do? Like when he comes to the Gorge, it's like three nights in a row. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think the figure that I heard was somewhere between, I don't know if it was one to three million per show or if he made, I think it was one million per show. And then so after a weekend, it's three mil. At the gorge, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and also, I think it's Stilcher. He's the top selling. I think he's one of the top selling touring artists of all time. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise it's me. Like him, Garth Brooks. Yep. Um, maybe Michael Jackson was up there at one point. Who are I'm going to look it up. I remember being surprised. Um, highest list of highest grossing concert tours highest grossing tours of all time uh, the Rolling Stones Roger Waters from Completed the Wall Live. That would make sense. Yeah. Madonna scored the highest grossing concert tour of all time by a female artist with the Sticky and Sweet Tour, One Direction. Um, they are the highest grossing tour of all time by a vocal group. Whatever that means, like a boy band, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay, so here it is. Um... Okay, so this list represents the top 20 grossing tours by actual gross, not adjusted for inflation, of all time. Uh, rank number one is U2. Jesus, fuck my butt. They made, let me read this number right, 736421584 dollars 
and then adjusted for inflation, it's close to one billion. Jeez. One tour. Guns N' Roses is second. The Rolling Stones is third. Coldplay fourth. Roger Waters, ACDC, Madonna, U2 again is number eight. Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. The Police, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, number 11. Number 12 is Taylor Swift. The Rolling Stones again at 13. Yeah, that's crazy. It just keeps going from there. I, I could have swore Dave Matthews band was on there. Apparently not. I love that that list is all shit I don't care about. Right? Like that kind of goes back to your point about like... I know. It doesn't matter. If it's not for you, then cool. But it's no. for a fuckload of other people. So the highest grossing tours by decade. So for the 80s, the top was Pink Floyd and the second was Michael Jackson. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. What about for the 90s? So for the 90s... For the 90s, the Rolling Stones, number one and number two. <laughs> Pink Floyd, number three. U2, four. Michael Jackson, five. Wow. For the 2000s, the Rolling Stones again. Okay, Jesus That's Christ. insane, by the I way. Don't. ACDC, the second. Why? Think of the Stones, dude. Like, they've been around for fucking 70 goddamn years. Wait, how long have they been around? Wait a second. I'm kind of freaking out right now. How long have they been around? They started... <gasps> the 60s? 62! Yeah. Wait. Christ. What are we saying? What does that mean? Mick Jagger was born in 1943. He's 75 years old. Imagine all the... Okay, you've been on tour. Mm-hmm. You've played shows, right, Alan? Yeah. You've recorded records, right? Yep. Imagine doing that since the 60s. Yeah, I mean, that's... Think, think of all that they've seen. And at that level, too, that's the other important factor here. They've met the Beatles, Elvis, like Muddy Waters, all like... What? Yeah, they, they've been doing it through like generations of right. music changes and... The 60s. That's a distinct time, right? You know what that looks like, don't you? The 60s? Yeah. How about the 70s? You know what that looks like? Yep. Yeah, me too. What about the 80s? You got that vibe? It starts yeah, they were there. Wildly different. Yeah. Nineties. Oh yeah. They're through that. Oh, and meanwhile, you're getting way older. Oh my God. And like technology really is changing. And you're just mind. like you're just like, what the fuck? And it's pretty much the same band, too. That's the other crazy thing about that band. Have you seen uh John Mullaney's bit about when he was a writer on SNL and Mick Jagger came to yeah. to host? Oh God, it's so good. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. Clearly. He has that bit about like Mick Jagger just has a level of confidence that Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That John Mulaney wishes he has where he's sitting at the writer's table and they're they're like pitching him shit and they'll they'll give him one that he doesn't like and he's like, No. And then they give him one that he likes and he's like, Yes. Yes. And he's like, That's so no. legit because it, John Mulaney's like, I'm at a point where I'm like, Oh, do you have a MacBook charger I could borrow? <laughs> no, okay. Like he's just he can't even like ask to it's just so fucking good. But I mean yeah. that's that that might be a huge reason why Rolling Stones is so successful. They just walk into a room and go, no, no, yes. Yeah, at least they're clear about what they want. Yep. And how about Keith Richards, man? Not being, not compromising for shit. That no, guy man. still smokes a pack a day. Just opens up his fucking sarcophagus and says, let's roll. Let's roll. Fucking 70 years of heroin. I feel great. This is all random anyway. Heroin just hits his veins and acts like a multivitamin. 
Dude, that it's crazy, man. It's unfair. It is unfair. It is unfair. But you know, to be to be fair, that's that's one in a million that people can do what he does. Yeah, true. Well, and the thing is, you know, for the one thousand years that they've been alive, they've they've fucking experienced some bullshit too. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah, they have, man. No one's alive that long and just it's all roses. Dude, uh, if you want to watch a really good music documentary, and this is for the audience listening as well, check out the Eagles documentary. I think it might still be on Netflix. But even if you're not a fan of the Eagles, that doesn't matter. It's fucking fascinating, man. Because it's kind of the same thing. Like these guys just went through the ringer together. There's a lot of documentaries like that that are, they come out, they're about a band I don't care about. But the standard of document documentary is so huge now. Mm-hmm. Like it's so high that it's going to be good. Yeah, is the, the Eagles one you're referring to, is that the Hotel California one? It might be called that. Yeah, I'm, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure because I wanted to that see it. That sounds right. Yeah. It's it's totally worth watching. That's awesome. Tom was, Petty and the Heartbreakers one is really fascinating as well. That's what I've heard. The, I've heard that the Bob Marley one is fantastic. Yep. And then uh, the Pearl Jam one. Really good. Uh, yeah. Judd Apatow did that. Oh, really? Or no, no, I'm sorry. Not oh, you're thinking uh, the Avett Brothers one. Well, that yeah, that, that's right. That's the one he did. But um, Cameron Crowe did, oh, shit. did Pearl Jam, I believe. That's yeah. sick. You know what I've been obsessed with lately is uh, you might like them too. Are these? Um, I think it's the Hollywood Reporter does these roundtables, and there's one that I watched that had like Ricky Gervais, um, Don Cheadle. Yep, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Tom, what is it, M- Middleston or some shit? Mm-hmm. What the dude from Silicon Valley? Anyway, so good, so good. Yeah, and I love then that I, stuff. I started watching other ones too. One has like Michael Caine and um, right. Like Will Smith I'll is in my... I'll do it. I'll do it. My golf cane, bow, bow, bow. So good. Yeah. Master Bros. Master Bros. It's where I love doing English accents, but some some words, are just, it's hard. I'm not good at it. Like, I'm not I'm not a master to where I can do any... Like, Master Bruce should be easy. There's a lot of R's and shit, but... Well, he also doesn't even have any... It's like its own thing. Well, he says it's like Cockney, which is actually more fun to do. You just like... You Cognite, sep- ain't it? It's like... It's yeah, like that. You separate your teeth less. Like almost it's like It's probably my least favorite accent. It yeah, oh dude, it's fucking, fucking horrendous, dude. Crazy. It yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. I remember getting off the train in Edinburgh, Scotland, and the, literally the first man we talked to, I'm not I'm I'm being honest with you, I'm looking at you right now. Yeah. I couldn't understand a fucking word he said. Dude, yeah, it gets so mushy. It was the crit. And I, 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 I my I, heart I, like I, stopped because I remember we were so excited to be there. I was 18 years old. I was a fucking young pup. And I was like nervous, you know, Keep feeling a little homesick, right? I'm a, I'm a little fucking kid. And I just wanted to know where we were going. Yeah. And I, I remember feeling so nervous that we we're going to be in a part of the world that spoke English and I wouldn't be able to understand what he said. Or that anyone said. And, and turns out he was like and the extreme. The yeah, yeah. That you, you That's eventually... the thing. There's different thicknesses. Oh, yeah. I man. remember uh, even when I was in uh, Vegas recently for the McGregor fight, uh, my buddy Chris and I, we get off the plane. It took us like four hours to hear an American accent yeah. in Las Vegas because it yeah. was just full of everywhere we walked, we would just hear hi, tie, 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 tie. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And then another person who looks super American. Hi, tie, tie, tie. You know what I like, love what about the, the Irish is accent on? is that it's so stereotypically Irish sounding. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like, no, really? This yeah. is real? 
<laughs> so insane. We actually had a guy at the airport parking lot. He was like the parking attendant dude helping us find my aunt's car because my, my aunt and cousins lived in Dublin for a while, right outside. And so we went to visit our family. And uh, the first thing this guy said to us, I shit you not, was top of the morning. Oh, Jesus. And uh, just about lost my mind. Yeah, but that's my cartoon aunt, shit. Yeah, and my aunt pointed out that that was like super rare. That that was like one of the first times she'd ever heard that when she was living there. Fuck. Crazy, man. Yeah, and even in Ireland, which is a tiny country, they the dialects are so vastly different. Mm-hmm. Like really, really different. There's a posh Irish, Irish accent that's oh. like like the city, like Dublin. Dublin is very posh. Uh, Conor McGregor has like a blue collar Dublin accent. Okay, right. Yeah. And the, he he's quicker too. They they talk faster. Oh, okay. Like East Coast West Coast thing. Yeah. Um, then there's the country, that's you know like the typical I to tie the, the typical like yeah. fucking leprechaun shit. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Oh well, and then, oh, and then there's there's parts there's count. Oh, and then there's Belfast up in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's um. I wouldn't even know how to describe that. Like they, all of the, the syllables are ex, like, uh, it's not, it's not Belfast. It's like Bel, Belfast, Belfast. Oh, it's the weirdest fucking bizarre. See, I don't give a shit about, uh, like that one's harder to even hear. I don't, I don't care about history or even just like, like the social studies of, but if you, like I could hear about like languages and dialects and shit all day. Me too. Like that's I'm Fred, fascinated by it. Fred Armisen has this. Uh, oh, it's the best. He does the bit on just in the U.S. Josh, not to interrupt you, Josh Northcutt and I yeah. saw that at um, that drum shop. What's it called? Oh, Re- Revival. I, Revival. Yeah, I follow them on Instagram. So Fred Armisen did that show before filming that on Netflix. Oh, dude, he I'm did so that show. Jealous. I had no idea what it was. Josh didn't even know what it was. He called me. He's like. Hey, uh, my buddy who runs Revival gave me these tickets to this thing. Apparently, Fred Armisen, you know the guy from Portland? I'm like, yeah, of course. It's like, apparently he's, he's doing like a stand-up thing, but it's like based around drumming and drummers. Dude. It's like, what? When I first heard about that, I'm like, there's no Dude, way. We we sat in a room, um, maybe like twice as big as this room. So still a small room. And it was Fred Armisen with maybe 30 people. Dude. And he put on an hour and a half show that was like comedy special level. We were fucking dying, man. It was so good. That's incredible. And he he did that whole bit. That's so sick. Yeah, when I heard that he had a special, uh, just it's called like comedy for drummers or whatever. I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. So spot on. Netflix is not going to let you do that. That's just, that's so. So specific. It's the most niche thing I've ever heard in my life. And then he does. (laughs) Like 2% of the. It's so niche that like I couldn't, I mean, yeah, he's he's on point with a lot of it. He's got that I stupid, know. silly fucking bit about like every time you take the the top of your yeah, the, your symbol the lock, whatever, like off. it fucking falls off, and you got to look for it. Yes, okay, you're right. However, I can't laugh because I'm too busy looking around. I'm it. Too busy to actually trying to find the thing you joked about. Yeah, or like everybody's reaction to it, and some people, so good. even other drummers, didn't understand it too. It's just that's what I love about his comedy. Mm-hmm. They go, he goes he so give a fuck. deep into the bit. Like if you come up with the idea for a bit, he goes like five layers deeper than that. He previews that shit on Conan, and the very first <laughs> joke bombs. I remember, and he has to close that joke with that was joke one. That was joke. <laughs> he one. has to let the audience know. 
I love the the whole thing about like trying out symbols. Yeah, at stores, the ting 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 ting, <laughs> like, and that's the joke. That that's I just the did punchline. The joke. That's it. That drummers do this. It's just so funny and specific. <laughs> and we all know it's so dumb. Yeah, because like trying it's just, out symbols. It's a series of things that we've thought or experienced and never shared with non-drummers. And yep. Fred Armisen was like, not only will I do that, I'll make a special out of it. And by the way, he's like a legit drummer. Yeah. He played in the Blue Man group for a while. Very solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that bit where he does all the accents around the country. Yeah, it's so good because I'm like, how there's got to be what, 10? And he does like 50. 50? He, he'll and find, it's all real. Yeah, and differences between... Yeah, it's weird, man. Dude, I mean, I, I mean, you brought... I am endlessly fascinating with linguistics and accents and like even in ways that most people don't think about. Like, for example, the state of California has so many different accents mm. that a, a lot of people don't pick up on it. There's a ton of them. There's the, the typical... Orange County bro thing. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of like Hispanic, like Cholo thing. Oh, right, right. That even white guys do. Yeah. Um, there's there's a California accent that almost sounds Midwest. Kevin Costner has it. Um, Ron Howard has it. Okay. It's like Ron Howard. It's like that. Like Ben Shapiro has it. Oh. Where it's kind of like, it sounds like Chicago almost. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason... LA County has this weird That's white wild. guy voice. <laughs> um, oh, the other thing that I, I love, I think uh, David Cross, uh, does his name David Cross? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He does a, a similar bit to what I'm talking about. But if you really notice, there is a, a redneck, like hick accent in every state of the US. It's not just the South. Oh, yeah. I think I heard this. There is, and this for sure. <laughs> and now that I'm pointing out, you'll, you might start noticing it more. Yeah. There is a, an Oregon thing. There's a hick Oregon accent that like, for example, they'll say like, like I work in construction. I, I see, I hear these guys talk all the time. Yeah, it's probably all around you. There, it's not um, fishing. It's fishing. Like, uh, I'll go elk hunting. Yeah. And, uh, it's like loose with the tongue and I, I'm doing a terrible version of it, but you know what I mean? There's dude. I love hick accents. Hick I like accent. the ones that, uh, it's not really around here so much, but, um, maybe it's Texas where they're explaining shit. And then they say, instead of like that, they will say like at, but like then at? they do it quick enough to be like, I was, you know, I was, I was fishing and I was hunting like that. And right, right, it's just, like it that. like glues together like That's one right. word. Yeah. Like at, yeah. The South is an endlessly fascinating part of the world to me. God, it is. It's very foreign to me. Yeah, because I have not really been there all that much. Been yeah. to Texas. Been to Tennessee. I would love to be able to Kentucky. fucking. One of the only things I don't like about this area: no Southern bells. Yeah, there's none of that, is there? Because I, I mean, well, I'm just a Southern belle. Like men in that area, no, thank you. They're fucking obnoxious and like, right? They've they've got this like fake alpha thing the and good old boy thing. Yeah, like oh fuck you, I'm gonna wrestle you. I'm good, dude. Yeah. Uh, but the women, the George Peach. Yeah, all day. Oh, oh darling, aren't you just a darling? Mm-hmm. Aren't you just so sweet? Yeah. Yeah, I want that. That's that sounds dream. so nice. But they're not around here. No, they're not. Instead, they uh they got straight bangs and, and piercings and. Straight bangs. What is with that? I don't know. 
They've got that fucking Lloyd Christmas <laughs> fucking, fucking pumpkin pie haircut. I'm good, dude. Dude, have you ever been out to like, because for those that don't know, most of Oregon is not Portland. Most of Oregon is what we're talking about. Yeah. Most of Oregon are ranchers. It's the desert. It's fucking Trump country. It gets like red state in a second mm-hmm. outside of Portland. Oh, hell yeah. In any direction. Absolutely. You drive 30 minutes in any direction, you're not in Portland anymore. No, dude, if you go to like East, Eastern Oregon. Oh my God. It just turns into desert and shit. Have you, it's have you ever wild. been to Moppin County? Moppin? Dude, yeah, we were just talking about that because uh, uh, I know somebody whose parents had uh, land out there and they just... Oh, dude, that's so funny. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fucking gorgeous out there. Oh, it's gorgeous, but it is a whole different world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it couldn't be more different than where we live. Yeah. That's what I love about America. It's like, <laughs> just in our state alone, I mean, you might as well be from a different country. Yeah. It is completely different. That's what's so cool. I try to tell people, like, Pacific Northwest is perfect because if I want to go to Canada, not too far away, I got the beach, I got desert. Mountains. I got fucking trees and mountains galore. Whatever I want. Camping, I cool. Surfing, got that. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Snowboarding, you can either get cool. all liberal urban or you can get shooting guns, conservative. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever you say thing. It's, it's here. We got, we got farmers that drive Priuses. I know. Yeah. You know? Get those guys. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a crazy state for sure. It is. It's just, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's almost eclectic to a fault. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that fault would be necessarily, but it just, it is such a melting pot. Well, I I went on a um, my brother in law's um, a bachelor party. That's what we call it, and we went whitewater rafting and camping out in Moppin County. And my brother in law is like a hunter, fisherman, outdoorsy kind of good old boy. And so that was like his idea of a good time. And we went whitewater rafting, and the guy, the two guys that were our instructors, they grew up out there in Moppin, and one of them. You know, he was talking about how he's a teacher in the desert of California. So he goes out to like Coachella Valley to teach. And then when he comes home, he comes home to Maupin County. And I, you know, I was fascinated that this guy exists in this world where he refers to home as Oregon, but he's been to Portland one time. He's nearly 40 years old. He's yeah. only been to Portland, Oregon one time. So he his idea of Oregon is like ranch country open where like Indians live. There's a reservation out there. Yeah, like Montana shit. Montana, red rocks and the the Deschutes River and uh, ranchers. He wears a cowboy hat. He's a cowboy. He is an actual cowboy. He rides horses and like fix fences and shoots guns and carries a gun and shoots cougars and what? And is a fucking white water rafting cowboy guy when he's home not teaching it's you know what i mean yeah it blows my mind you can do that out here i went uh i went rafting with some friends in our our guide his i'll never forget his name was bibs (laughs) and uh i asked him how he how he got that name and uh he said because when he was like new with the with the company and with all the other um guides he uh they were eating and he spilled some food on his shirt so they're like all right you need you need a bib 
you a baby, whatever. So they started calling him Bibbs. I remember I, I started roasting him, you know, because I was scared about rafting. So I got fucking almost blackout drunk. And uh, I just started getting mischievous. And uh, I started making fun of him. He was in the back of the raft and he like took the, he took the paddle and he like threw water, like splash me and yeah. shit. Uh, I mean, you know, that's the end of the story, but he was yeah, a cool the- guy. He had like a lisp that I fucking loved. So I actually wanted him, I wanted him to talk all the time because it was kind of an adorable lisp. Bibs. 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 All right, we're going to, it's going to be some water over here. It's going to be on the path to your right. I'd be like, what was that? Like I would make him repeat <laughs> shit. What was that, Bibs? I yeah. can't hear you. Say that again. Well, speaking of people with funny fucking voices and, and accents, it it always blows my mind that some of these people get professional jobs talking. Mm-hmm. Like Bobo Walfras. Yep. Hi, I'm Bobo Walfra. <laughs> so crazy. Or what's the other fucking guy? Um, was it Tom Brokaw? Oh, um, the me, uh, and he no. sounds like drunk. There's, I can't do the accent. There's somebody else now. You you saying Tom Brokaw had me thinking of somebody, but now yeah, you've got me wanting to think of examples. I feel like there's some fucking obvious ones too. It's like a speech impediment. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is. With speech impediment. I mean, shit, even Mike Tyson. Think about that. I know. This big dude that could fucking just had two pistons for arms. He'd just fuck you up. But if you got in an argument with him and like punching wasn't allowed, it was so easy to win because he just had this weird... Yeah. Like helium voice. and I think he kind of had a lisp too. Bottom line is, take charge of your case. Strike charge of your crap. Try not to do the little whininess. It's reserved for the big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that, the whininess? Well, what I mean by the whininess is that if you, got, uh, if you go in and just say, well, I heard from somebody today or I saw this and you're not doing that to me. You know, no, what's probably. that all about? Yeah, I think it was worse when he was younger, maybe. It just sounds like he's shitting his pants as he talks. Yeah, it's just like holding on to his dick and shitting. What about Harry Carey? Harry Carey, that's a good example. Barbara Walters is real intense, though. Like super, super intense. I don't know how these people get jobs talking. All right, um, let's wrap this thing up. Let's do a movie pick real quick. Do mm-hmm. you have that up there? I got that trailer. Yeah. All right. So my movie pick for the week, since it is still Christmas time, by the way, this is the week before Christmas. So today is Wednesday. Christmas is this coming Tuesday. So Merry Christmas to everyone out there because we won't be back until after Christmas. Um, But I figured I'd do one more Christmas movie as my pick of the week. This is a movie we watched last night. And was pleasantly surprised. It's it's funny, and it's a horror Christmas movie, which is always fun to uh, flip it on its head and try something new. If you want to uh, try a different style of Christmas movie, I highly recommend this one. I didn't and, even put two and two together on the Better Watch Out. I was like, oh, it's a horror. I didn't even think about a horror movie is a loose term. It's not all that scary. Okay, it's it's funny. It's like Shaun of the Dead. It's like a comedy. Oh horror. shit. Okay. Well, so I'm these, interested now. Yeah, it's, so it's basically, um, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where uh, little kids start murdering people. 
Oh, fuck yeah. All I right. think it's even the same age. I think he's 12 or something like that. In the movie. Perf. Want to print her in the mood? Watch your horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Santa is Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's some there. I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. <laughs> this is exciting. Just go away. <laughs> yep, there Dude, it is. That looks wild. <clears throat> oh, God, since uh, this reminded me, this is a good honorable mention as well. Pull up a trailer for a movie called Anna and the Apocalypse. This is a movie that I was following, like the release of it. Um, it's actually an indie movie that came out last year. Same vein, horror comedy Christmas movie, but it's a musical. So, and it's um, like a zombie movie based in Christmas in, in the oh, okay. UK. Really fucking funny. And it got a second wave this year and now it's doing really well. It night and it was released Christmas, in theaters. And all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. It's really good. In Young fact, Anna this movie's better, I would say. snug in her bed. Not knowing tomorrow, she'd meet the undead. Like a ninety-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Season would bring. Well, that's simple. She'd stab. Looks sick. She'd slash. And she'd sing. Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. That's the perfect description. Justin Bieber's a zombie. Damn. Yeah. I like a creative kill. Me too, man. That's Me sick. Too. 
uh, that uh, it blows my mind that the zombie thing is still a thing. Yeah. Not because I don't like it, but because it's things typically trends pretty, turn over very fast. Right. Zombies are still hot. Yeah, they are. You know what lost me though is Walking Dead. I yeah. I was so into that show when it first came out. I bailed on it, Just I think, like, at ugh. the end of season six. And not because it wasn't good. I I don't know. Maybe I lost interest, but it did get a little overwhelming. I think I just, I fell behind enough to where I was like, I can't catch up. I think that's probably where I'm at too. I don't, it's probably not that I stopped liking it. I think I just got so far behind that there's not enough pull for me to get back into it. Uh, yeah, I quit right before. I'm sure I'll like it if I am watching it, you know. I quit right before the King Ezekiel shit, which looks cool. It's a, it's a dude with like a pet tiger and he, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I had no problem with the, the last season that I watched. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. I, I definitely got annoyed with, uh, with Carl. I wanted Carl to Coral? die so bad. Oh, just a slow and painful death. Yeah. That little fuck. I couldn't handle it. And just his face. His and face, his hair. Yeah, the the weird, the like, jib. Justin Bieber thing. and it's Not not good. Nope. No. No, no, no. Are, are you a Game of Thrones fan? I gave it a shot when it was a thing uh, initially, and I just felt like the first couple episodes that I watched, they were just like, we're going to introduce you to every character, and it, it's going to kind of suck, but just it just felt too homeworky That's in the beginning. I felt too. So I never got into it. I, I, literally to this day, I've seen like two, maybe three episodes. I've actually seen more than that. I don't know how much more, but the thing for me is I liked it in real time while I was watching it, but not loved it. I liked it, but I never remembered a goddamn thing I saw after it. Like I never knew who anyone was, who was tied to who, who betrayed who. I just, it was too like soap opera for me. I, I have a tough time with that vibe. I think. Yeah. I don't know. It, I mean, it's on the list of shows that I wish I was into. Same with uh, Mad Men. I never... Mad so Men, I loved Mad Men. Mad Men loved seems it. so overwhelming to me that I ha- I just can't... I don't want to dive in. I, I feel like every end is the deep end, and I'm just like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really weird about what shows will pull me in. Like, Breaking Bad, saw every episode. So Dexter, good. saw every so episode. Good. We just rewatched Dexter recently, and I forgot how good it really was. Yeah. Does it seem campy now, like old? It, um, no. I would say the campiness is actually still good for me, because okay. I like campy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess there is a few things that are a little dated. I would say more of like the references and technology kind of thing. But I mean, something so stupid about me is that I can't... Like season one of True Detective has been at the top of my list. Since it was a thing. Yeah. I, I And I can't get myself just to watch the first fucking episode. Hurry up and get hooked. Because all I hear is that it's the shit. The and first from, season is the shit. And from what I've heard about it. Yeah. I, I It's second very clear to me to the ignore shit. the second season. Which is easy to do because it's not even the same people. And cool. So it's its own thing. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. It sounds rad. I can't do it. Meanwhile, I'm on like my 37th watch through The Office. I know. Well, you know, I mean. That speaks to like the human, you know, experience. Like you want to feel familiar. Yeah. Why try that new restaurant? Yeah. You know, know, macaroni and cheese is something. In the hip part of town. Like I'm just going to go to that sports bar that I've been going to since I was 21. And the office is the perfect example of like everything you want after a a hard day's work. 
right? You don't want to be challenged, not too much. You just want to kind of check out, have some good laughs, go to bed. Right. Well, and at the risk of sounding mentally ill, like I feel like they're my friends, you know, like I fucking know them so well that it's like now Michael Scott's voice is so comforting Yep. and hearing Phyllis and, and Creed being fucking weird. Like I just know them all so well. And also that, that show, the writing is fucking fantastic. So So I just, every time I watch through, I typically skip out on like the same sections every time. But even with that being said, I'm, I'm noticing new things every watch through and Mm -hmm. It's weird. I don't know why I do that. I know. My problem now is that I'm now I'm not even watching anything. I'm only watching movies. And then when I'm not watching movies, which is usually with Ashley, I am watching like YouTube stuff. Not vloggers, not Logan Paul, but like tons of podcasts. I like watching podcasts. And I think most of it is because people like me and you are busy and we both have multiple jobs. And so I'm always, I always need to have my laptop with me and doing something. That's why playing video games for a long period of time is really hard for me. Yeah. I need to have my hands available so I can do stuff. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that doesn't excuse why I can't watch a show. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm like losing my, is am I losing my uh, attention span? Is that what it is? I, I mean, to to a degree, yeah, because it's, I mean, I'm sitting here with a guarantee that there's a really good show out For there, sure. and then I'm just like, yeah, but I'm going to I'm gonna watch that shit that I, I've already seen. Ashley's been watching the show that I know I would like, but I know that I probably would never start it by myself. It, I think it's called Mindhunter. Oh, right. right. Yeah, I've heard decent Netflix shit about show. that. It's uh, David Finch. Oh wait, you know what? I started it. Or David Fincher. Is are there are there multiple Fincher. seasons? Maybe. I think so. Because if there are, then I'm pretty sure I smashed through all of season one. And it was fantastic. It's like sixties FBI guys. Yep. And I yeah. want to say that even towards the end of season one, they start setting up um this uh serial killer dude. The two main characters need to speak to the serial killer, and you can just tell he's gonna be a fucking rad character. And but, you know, they start showing him towards the end of season one, I believe. And then he gets pulled into season two. So I was even motivated to continue the show, and I didn't. I didn't know Charisse Theron was in it. Oh, I don't remember that at all. No. If she's in it, she's forgettable. Oh. I just have a horrible memory. It says it's directed by her and David Fincher. Oh, damn. She okay. She was a part of, like, the production of it. Shit. Have you yeah, watched, uh, speaking of movies, have you watched mid-90s yet? Fuck yeah, dude. That is was one good? of my movie picks. Fuck yeah, it's good. Wait, did we already talk about this? It is so good. How I'm like the nostalgia sure aspect is a little did. bit depressing too? Yeah, maybe that was Jesse Cannon. No, that was a different guest I had right before you came on the show. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of uh, my buddy Ryan and I went to a show and like there was like a changeover. So that came up because I think we were talking about uh, Trent Reznor because he did the music for that show, yeah. right? Or that he movie. did it for free too. Fuck for John Hill. Yeah, that's shit. how much that's you like the movie. Um, is the nostalgia tough? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Well, I just feel like for me, the concept of nostalgia in general is a depressing, it's a depressing feeling. It uh, Like a good but depressing feeling. I would say that like I happy cried during the movie. Oh, okay. I remember turning to Ashley and I said something because like that is my childhood for right. sure. Yeah. And a lot of yours too. You know, like skateboarding and being with your buddies 
and that time of life where you you find those friends, you know, and you feel like you can finally be your own person. You find your tribe. You find something you love, which was skating and music for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Jonah Hill nails the details in a way that's really hard to explain. Like all the skate companies, all the, all the shirts the kids are wearing, like chocolate skateboard, girl, toy machine, you know, world industries, and the references to the music of the time, like even the the way the Coke cans looked back then, the Doritos bag, Dude. the details are so good. See, that sounds like it'll fuck me up. And the actors are fucking phenomenal. Ugh, and he went and found so these cool. kids who not only can act, but one of them is an actual professional skater. God. Yeah. It's crazy how big skateboarding was because I never fucking did it. And yet it's I can name. Culture you're in, yeah. Yeah, I can name, fuck, like World Industries was mm-hmm. the shit. Independent, mm-hmm. like I had nothing to do with that. Right. And I can talk about all of it. I I always, every time some dude was wearing a, a girl sweatshirt, I was like, that's such a cool logo. And I, I like that concept. And I had a girl hoodie, girl skateboard. My first skateboard was a girl board. And then blind, remember blind? Fuck yeah, that was a whole thing. Tony yeah, I Hawk, mean, like fucking four one one skate videos of that time. God, so that's that movie. It's not a sad movie though. I mean, it is, but it's it's more good feeling than sad. Yeah, I mean, okay. It's dark about Jonah Hill, so it's so funny. It's all funny and feel good. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately a, a good feeling movie. Yeah, I'm such a Jonah Hill fan. I'd love for him to just to I know, write too, more. I, I like him as as me an too. actor too, but. I just I think he's he's fucking crazy smart. If he keeps making movies like mid nineties, I'm I'm on board, man. It's Hopefully so this is like his get out where like he does it and then people are like, Oh shit, you can do this. Yeah. And then he just does it. Speaking of which, the new uh the new Jordan Peele movie. Oh, I know. I we, can't wait. I believe like just in general, we know next to nothing about it, right? Just that yeah, poster. Just the poster. Everyone's I gonna know what's up. Everyone's fucking Dude, think imagine about that. trying to live up to get out. Ugh, yeah. You're the guy that came out of fucking nowhere from that goofy comedy show and you went and you made Get Out. Well, it's similar to how they say a band's sophomore album is the most challenging because there's no pressure or ve- at least very little pressure on that first one. Right. Like Everyone's Slipknot, just hoping for the best. Slipknot releases the the self-titled <laughs> and it's like, whoa, these guys came out of nowhere. Yep. We have yep. no expectation and it's the shit. But then Iowa, everyone's like, hey, your first one was the shit. What's up? Yep. And it needs to be good or nobody cares. Everyone's watching now. But if you have two bangers right out of the gate, one and two, then you kind of get some leeway for the rest of your career. Yeah. To a degree. Absolutely. But I mean, fuck, dude, I'm I'm interested. People are like, that's got to be a sick feeling for Jordan that like he can release a poster and there are people on Reddit that are dissecting the poster. I know. They're like those scissors. Are, are, there, are they devil horns? Does Do you think this is a this? demonic thing? Yeah. What? That's, that's crazy. That's, that's a fans. high level of interest. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, and I mean it's gonna smash at the box office for sure. I mean, I'm I'm super intrigued. I also love that that's that's kind of a new thing. Just to, I mean, at, at least in that space, I feel like it's new to release a poster. There's no trailer or anything. Like you can just release a poster and get people pumped for the trailer. Typically, the trailer is the thing that gets them pumped for the movie. And he's got people pumped for the thing that's supposed to get you pumped. I know. Like that's this. I know. Other that's, layer. I mean, like Star Wars is the only yeah. shit that can do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like he's not even. God damn, he's done one dude. movie. I know, and he's already so cool. But that one movie was that good. Yep. 
Well, let's wrap this bitch up. We've cool. been going way long, which is good. Mm-hmm. Nice little uh, closeout for the Christmas break. Yep. Um, we're most likely not going to put out a show next week. Um, this show we're doing right now will be up for your Christmas week. Um, we wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and all that stuff. But we'll be back for the new year, right? So Oh, yeah. Tuesday is Christmas. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if we don't talk to you before, have a fantastic holiday. Relax, you know? Yeah. Do your thing. Just chill. Do your thing. Smoke crystal meth. Rip yep. out your eyes. Rip your eyes out. Name your daughter Kaylee. K-A-Y-L-E-E. Ugh. Of course her name is Kaylee. Make sure she's got a, a long-ass ponytail and likes horses. And those bangs. <laughs> yeah. And likes horses. Yep. Kaylee's always like horses. <sighs> they got like a fucking horse calendar. Yeah. The fuck out of here. Have you watched any Christmas movies yet? No, but I, I watch I watch Christmas Vacation okay, every good. goddamn year. Yep. We're going to watch that soon. We haven't watched it yet. That's that's my movie. That's in my top 10 all time. So good. Me too. For sure. We just watched Elf recently. Also a good one. Uh, yeah, that's one that I don't want to admit is a classic just because it's so new, but it is. But it is. I might fuck with uh, Jingle All the Way. There you go. I like that one a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones, man. There's a lot of bad ones, but there's a lot of good ones too. Just listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger say Turbo Man is hilarious. Yeah. If you, if you want to watch a darker, funny one, uh, Krampus. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. That the guy from Parks and Rec, I forget his fucking name. Um, he plays, um, you know, anyway, that guy. I'm talking to a girl on Hinge right now that uh, she likes horror movies, of course, uh, and she has the bangs, of course. And uh, she, same name as my ex-girlfriend too. So I've just got fucking red flags left and right, still talking to her. And uh, she said specifically though, she likes Christmas horror. That's a thing now, man. I was like, how, that's, that's niche Like how many movies are there? I looked it up. There's a billion. There's a ton. And the Krampus one is like, that's one at the top. Yeah. And then there's Silent Deadly Night or whatever. That's a new one. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. There's a one called Rare Exports that's. I think it's Finnish or Norwegian movie that is basically anti-Santa. It's like Krampus, this like demon-y guy that like if you're a bad kid, instead of getting coal, he like kills kids and, and kidnaps them. Jesus And there's like Christ. these fucking zombie elf things that run around, but it's actually done really well and sweet and funny and Christmassy. See, they're doing it smart. Dark. You show kids that, and then when you tell them Santa's not real, they're fucking relieved. Fuck yeah. Dude. That's the move. Yeah, Krampus is no joke. Krampus it's like, do you such want a shitty word. Santa or Krampus? It's up to you. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Krampus is like, uh, yeah, that's, I fucking hate that word. It's a terrible name. I heard they- it Sounds like cramps. Yeah, I was just going to say, when women are on their period, they get really bad Krampus. <sighs> they get really bad Krampus. <laughs> well, Merry we Christmas. Should, we should end on that note right We're, there. Yeah, Merry Christmas and have a happy Krampus. <laughs> yep. Um, you guys know what to do. Subscribe to the show. Share the show with your friends, will you? And something that we are trying to get out there as much as possible is this. If you are in a band or you run a small company or you just have a thing that you want the world to know about, why don't you consider sponsoring an episode of this delicious podcast? Contact Alan or me, and we would love to do that for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's something we're really looking into now. Uh, that'd be a really good way to support the show and benefit your thing as well. Um, if you are trying to support some Nazi KKK thing, then we're probably not going to promote it. 
Yeah. You know. At least not a lot. We'll do like Just one plug. You know, I'll plug a little bit of that. Give me a couple of bucks. I'll do anything for yep. it. All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Really, though, enjoy your time off, guys. Everyone works hard. This is the best time of year. Relax. We're almost there. And uh, we'll see you back after the holidays. See you soon. Bye. radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.